All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance this is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell What's good? and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 123 in full swing, full motion. We are so happy to have you here with us this lovely weekend here in the first weekend of July. I hope you guys are all being safe on your holiday weekend on the 4th of July. Please be safe. Don't be pulling no Justin Pierre-Paul, Jason Pierre-Paul, rather. Get all your digits back as the week starts next week. In the meantime, I hope you guys are having fun. I hope you guys are enjoying everything you got going on, whether you're at the lake or chilling at home like my ass is going to be doing, which I always enjoy opportunities to take some downtime. But we are here to talk some sports, and that is what we're going to do tonight. We got a lot to talk about, a lot to uncover. It's kind of a, I would say, a broad spectrum of what we're going to talk about. We're going to sprinkle in some Chiefs, I'm sure. But we have some things that we need to address off the top, and it, it isn't anything that I would say has to do with Kansas City as a whole, but I think it's something that we all need to consider and and really discuss and and, and further uh, and further discussion rather. So we got the news today earlier that uh, Olympian tra- track star, uh, 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 I'm sorry, uh, Shakari, uh, <laughs> I'm messing her name up over here already. Shakari Richardson uh, was suspended today with a um, with an actual ma- marijuana uh, her testing positive for marijuana. And WADA, I think that's how you pronounce it, WADA is a W-A-D-A, yeah. uh, came out and, and and said that she had tested positive for it for THC levels. They were pretty high. And uh, she actually came out and spoke about it and, and gave her uh, her thoughts on it and told everybody that she had actually – she admitted to it. She said that she had, she had used marijuana uh, for an instance that had taken place when she found out that her mother recently had passed away. And she was trying to cope with everything that was going on, and she was trying to take away some of the frustration and anxiety that she had been experiencing. And so now, because of this situation, she has been suspended from uh, from uh, uh, participating in the Olympics from the 100 meters. I, I do believe she's able to still do the relays, which is uh, a little bit after a month, which the, suspens- uh, the suspension will be lifted. Normally, they will be uh, a, a, an Olympian will be suspended up to three months for passing for uh, not passing a drug test. But because of the fact this took place outside of competition, uh, that, that this suspension is only about four weeks long. And so now we have the conversation of why in the world this is actually a thing still to this day. And that's actually where I want to start this conversation. Because we know anything about Shakari Richardson, and we know about what she's done to this point. She's become a phenom almost overnight. Now, she has been dominating in her sport for some time now, but she's really jumped up on the in the limelight over these last couple of months. She has a very boisterous, outgoing personality. She's not afraid to flaunt her style. She wears the the long uh, uh, fingernails and the eyebrow, the eyelashes, and she colors her hair. She is a very, very polarizing figure in the world of sports. So much so that it gets shows like ours to start off talking about her and a sport that we don't ever talk about on this show. 
And, you know, we're obviously going to break this all down. I'm going to give you guys my thoughts, and I want to get Trevor and Eddie's thoughts on this as well because this is the number one sports topic in the world right now. We obviously need to talk about the NBA and Chris Paul getting to his first finals. we got to talk about Chiefs training camp that's going to be here before we know it. There's so much to get to. But we have to address this one because I think this is affecting more people than we realize, especially in the world of sports. See, we're supposed to be living in a world of nuance. We're supposed to be living in a world where when we realize that something is either outdated or something that was wrong from the get-go, that we move on from it. We've seen other leagues, Trevor and I before the show tonight, we're talking about this very same thing about you've seen the way the NBA and the NFL have been very progressive and realized that some of the rules that have been put in place, whether it's on-court rules, on-field rules, or something that has to do with even like, like we talk about right here, marijuana or substances of this nature, how they've had to lessen up on it and, and lighten up on it because of further research and, and understanding and seeing things for what it is scientifically. And it's all nuanced. Once you realize something, and we know something about science, that it's constantly evolving. And when they realize something, when they see substantial evidence that proves something to be what it is or what it isn't, according to what others have said throughout the time, you change according to what it's telling you. And it bothers me pretty significantly to see somebody that has the opportunity to do something as great as Shakiri Richardson gets to do in, the, in these Olympics, be taken away from her because of something like this. Now, I say taken intentionally because I know that the general idea with all this is, well, the rules are the rules. And that is a fact. We can't debate that. The rules are in place, and that is how it is. But what I want to combat tonight is the purpose for these rules. Just like any other rule that, again, we deem to be irrelevant and having no real power or reason behind it. So I did some digging before the show tonight because I really wanted to understand this. And I've been trying to dig deep as much as I possibly could. And I found, I stumbled upon a USA Today article that came out today. And in this article, I, I recommend you guys uh, check it out. I uh, tweeted it out at Lance the Spoken if you get an opportunity. I dug into it and, and about... Two, three paragraphs down in, I, I saw this part. And I want to start from right here, and I want to kind of jump off from that point. So according to Roger Pelkey Jr., a professor at the University of Colorado who studies sports governance, said that these are fair questions when it comes to people that are uh, like not understanding why uh, weed, uh, or marijuana rather, is still deemed a performance-enhancing substance that is banned from competitors in the Olympics. Um. And in his mind, they point out to some of the inconsistencies in international anti-doping rules. His quote is, and, and I really want you guys to listen to this one carefully, quote, I guess my overall reaction is that for someone trying to make sense of this, it would be a frustrating enterprise because it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, end quote. The article continues, before understanding why marijuana triggered Richardson's suspension, it's important to understand how anti-doping protocols work. The World, the World Anti-Doping Agency was created by the International Olympic Committee to essentially regulate doping in sports. Each year, WADA identifies substances that believe should be prohibited in accordance with its anti-doping code, they'll get onto that later, to prevent cheating and help keep athletes safe. USADA, the anti-doping arm in the United States, is one of WADA's signatories and has agreed to uphold its rules. So when one of the athletes that USADA is testing, which is Richardson, returns a positive test for one of ADA's, WADA's prohibited substances, which is marijuana, USADA is required to punish the athlete per the code. Now this is where it gets really interesting. 
WADA sets the rules for the world, which is all of us, all countries, including the United States, have to follow whether we like the outcome or not. USADA's chief executive officer, Travis Tiger, told USA Today Sports, quote, and even in sad and tough cases like this one, where we might take a different approach, we might take it, we, we, we might take a different approach, end quote. WADA puts a substance on its prohibited list if it determines that substance meet two of the following three criteria. One, it enhances or could potentially enhance an athlete's performance. Two, it could pose a health risk for athletes. And three, the cherry on top of it all, it could violate the spirit of sport. WADA does not specify which two of these three boxes are checked by a particular substance, but in the case of marijuana, a 2011 academic paper co-authored by WADA science director offers some explanation. In the paper, the authors write that the athletes who smoke marijuana could endanger themselves or others because of slower reaction times and poor executive function. They write that marijuana use is not consistent with the athlete as a role model for young people around the world. And they, in, they indicate that the drug might help athletes focus on or relieve the stress of competition, therefore giving them a leg up on the field of play. Quote, although much more scientific information is needed, cannabis can be a performance enhancing for, can be performance enhancing for some athletes in sport disciplines, they write. But in contrast... A 2017 review of academic literature on this subject found that the main ingredient in marijuana, which is THC, quote, does not enhance aerobic exercise or strength, end quote. Tiger said marijuana's role as a prohibitive substance has been debated in anti-doping cervicals for decades. WADA relaxed its rules on at least one of the drug's derivatives, cannabinoid oil, in 2019, but THC remains prohibited in competition. Pelkey believes WADA's decision to regulate marijuana is overstepped, especially veering into morality. He pointed out that WADA specifies in its own code that it considers some substance to be prohibited, quote, because they are frequently abused in society outside of the sport of uh, outside of the context of sport. Whether quoted again, whatever one thinks about recreational drugs, what WADA's business in regulating them, given that we have jurisdictions around the world that have legal frameworks to do exactly that? A lot of attention that can be paid to regulating actual doping drugs gets spent on regulating these morality drugs. And I want to just stop there because I feel that there's been enough said in that little little portion of this article, and it goes on. And there's a lot more useful information that I feel a lot of people are missing in all of this. Because this is ridiculous. I will again address the fact that I understand that these are the rules. But we all can understand and agree that th throughout human history, especially if we can bring it just to, to America for a second, we've had rules and regulations in our society that when we look back at them now and go, holy shit, we were, we were way wrong as a society back then. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy. It, it, you look at it back then and go, well, that's crazy. But 40, 50 years ago, women were not allowed to vote in America. Black people were not allowed to use the same sh showers and bathrooms as white people. Gay and lesbian couples were not allowed to marry themselves, their loved ones, until 2015 in America. Those are pretty stupid rules, right? We'd all sit back and go, wow, I can't believe we were ever at that place. But we were. And I could sit back and say, well, rules are the rules. And we can't really argue that, can we? But we change them. Why?
Because we realize how outdated, how outrageous, how ridiculous, and how frivolous these rules really are. Because they even in themselves, the WADA is all basing this off of what ifs and could be's. There is no factual evidence that suggests that if uh, Miss Richardson here was to use marijuana even right before running has any bearing or proof that this would actually enhance or hurt her opportunities to perform at our highest level. And furthermore, we know for certain that she did not use marijuana before performing. She used this as a coping mechanism after racing and finding out her mother had passed away. Her biological mother had passed away. And what's funny to me is we've heard stories about Olympians all the time about having these wild orgies and uh, opioid addictions and cocaine use and alcohol abuse. And no one cared. But for some damn reason, a, a young person using a herb, a natural substance from the, from the planet Earth, is deemed unnecessary and is breaking rules and is therefore suspended for it. So again, I'm not coming at it saying that this isn't the rule. I'm saying the rule doesn't make sense and the rule needs to be put away because we see it. And as funny and ironic as it is, she lives, Miss Richardson lives in a state in Oregon where this is legal, along with 18 or 17 other states in America. So there obviously has to be some progression with research and backing of the studies of everything we've seen from marijuana use, not just for athletes, but people across the board. They're running out of excuses. They have no real research backing their claims. This is all morality-based, and that is absolutely fucking stupid. So I want to get your thoughts because, Trevor, I know I don't want to speak for you. I'm, I'm assuming you're more on my side on this. Eddie, I know that you've also been on the side where I, I posted the, the poll on both the Spokens group on Facebook and on our, on our Twitter feed. I know, Eddie, you were the one person that said that they should keep uh, suspensions in place for players that, that test positive for marijuana. I'm looking forward to hearing your reaction, but Trevor, I will start with you on this. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, you you know I, I pretty much agree with everything you said for the most part. Um, yeah, I mean, these are archaic rules that have been set in place for, for, for years, even, you know, and the rules were set in place, especially for marijuana, when marijuana was early in, in the early years frowned upon for racial reasons, for, you know, overall just negative reasons. I mean, look, I'll just give an example. We have so many people, specifically in the U.S., yeah, because I, I live here. This is my country. I have examples based here, and that doesn't really, you know, coincide with the rules of other countries. Um, but I mean, we look at, look at, look at the conversation it is now, even in this, this, this country with weed in, in particular, how many of us would almost all of us would agree that there are so many people that are incarcerated in, 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 in um, you know, federal pen prisons, you know, that we all would agree should not be there right now because they either smoked weed or had some in possession when they got pulled over and they're doing 10 plus 20 plus years for some marijuana. We all agree looking back on that, that. That, that the rules at that time, the law at that time was on the wrong side of history. Because now that we're looking back on it, we know scientifically, moralistically, all these reasons to why there is no issue with marijuana. These people are doing prison time. A lot of them are doing damn near life, right? And we all frown upon that now because history, you know, we know what we know now. So that was on the wrong side of history. All, I, all you're doing right now, Lance, all I'm doing right now is being on the right side of history. Because we know that there's nothing wrong with the substance. There just happens to be a rule still there in place for some reason. Because, I mean, if you if they have a big problem with it and they have you know these issues saying that it could be a, a quote-unquote performance-enhancing drug, give me literally one example of when weed has ever been a performance-enhancing drug where there's a guy that was caught or a female that was caught athlete-wise that used it as a performance-enhancing drug. 
When did it affect the spirit of sport? Give me one example where this has ever taken place. These are literally biased rules just to keep it specific. I mean, we, we can talk about, this isn't the argument, but we can talk about why alcohol is not on the list. So you're telling me someone can go throw a, 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 a spear or, 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 or go in a wrestling competition or, or shit, go run track and field completely drunk? That can be okay, but you can't have someone you know toke up days before and not even the day of the race, and now they can't race because of that, but alcohol is fine. You want to talk about how many lives alcohol takes every year across the world, not just in the U.S., compared to how many lives marijuana takes or overdoses or, or, or addictions to, to weed that has taken lives? I mean, we can have the statistic you know, dick measuring contest if you want. I mean, everyone on the opposite opposition of marijuana is going to lose every single time. And the fact that you brought up the moralistic side of this, because that is That's literally that all is that part is. of the conversation because WADA literally states in their criteria that it is moralistically yeah. they oppo they're opposed to it. So that means that we have to sit here and address that side of this, which I think is utterly ridiculous because I mean, if, because it should be, it should be cut and dry. And yeah, and, and, if I, and if I don't bring up the moralistic side of it, because that's kind of my argument, me arguing arguing whether the rule is the rule is, is asinine because we all know the rule is the rule. I'm not arguing whether the rule is the rule or not. I'm not arguing whether she should have known the rules or not because she did. Whether it slipped her mind or not, she she she's paying you know for her actions. Whether we all agree with the consequence of it or not, my argument is why the rule exists. My argument is you know, I'm trying to be on the right side of history here because I, I have a feeling, you know, eventually these rules are going to change worldwide and we're all going to look back on this shit, whether in our <laughs> lifetime, in our lifetime or another lifetime, they're going to look back on this and laugh. Like, really? Y'all were going to let someone run because they smoked weed a couple days before a race? Literally has zero impact on any of it. Zero impact on any of the integrity of the sport or the spirit of the sport. Zero impact negatively towards the athlete as far as their health is concerned. So what is it? You, you can name it, you can put up all three of those criterias to why this this is a banned substance and why alcohol is not a banned substance. Alcohol literally hits all three of those points. Marijuana literally dodges all three of them. So what is the real point of having the rule? That's my argument. Regardless, I know the rule is intact right now. She is going to obviously reap the consequences of her actions. Regardless of what we feel her actions are wrong or morally wrong in any way, that's, that's another argument. But the fact that the rules exist is my biggest grievance. And I think I, I obviously think that the rules should be changed. We've seen the rules change in this country and things are starting to change here. That obviously doesn't apply to worldwide setups, which is fine. That doesn't change the point moralistically, though. And well, the fact that she did it in, 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 in a location to where that is not a yeah, illegal and, action. And the, yeah, exactly. The relevance of all of this is the fact she is American. Right. She did have this situation take place in a legalized state. Right. And it was not dur during performance. That's the biggest issues in all of this. So now that we've and there's we've, zero examples of any performance enhancing I, benefits of marijuana. It's yeah, we're open-minded to it. The backbone of marijuana being a banned substance is literally based on racism. We can you can argue we that can all you want. That down Go read a fucking yeah. book. Yeah. So now that you guys have heard our stance on this, I know that Eddie has an opposing view on this, or at least that's what I've you know looked at so far to this point. So Eddie, I mean, I, I respect the opinion. Obviously, I'm open-minded to you bringing facts that maybe I'm not aware of. So I mean, let me just say one no, more thing ahead. before Eddie takes. I, I don't want to make what I just said right now into uh, making this into a racial thing because I 100% do not believe this is a racial thing. I'm just simply stating the history of why marijuana is on a banned substance thing. Yeah. Because, I mean, at its base, uh, yeah, alcohol, yeah. it never has been. And we all know reasons to why alcohol never, because there's, there's money signs involved and always has been with the prohibition and everything that was taking place. It became legal. 
I'm just saying the origin of marijuana to why it's still banned and still on its way be, to becoming an unbanned substance yeah. is based on And that's on just a Google racism. search away too. So I, anybody that wants to know that stuff, go right, ahead and look right. it up. But Eddie, go, I mean, go ahead, man. Let me know what you got. Look, man, I know you guys keep saying it's like, well, the rules are rules and all that shit and all blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it comes down to. Like at the end of the day, it's kind of like the NFL. It's like they have uh, set rules uh, set in place and that pretty much every player, if you want to be in the league, you have to follow you know that it's kind of like when i joined the military they told me like you can't do this you can't do that you can't do that it's like okay then i still signed you know it's like okay i know what i can't do but i know what i can do it's like i'll just stay away from what i can't do avoid getting in trouble but avoid getting kicked out of avoid all that shit and then keep on doing me keep on keep on doing what i'm doing and mm-hmm. just avoid the dumb shit you know but it's just it's just like that it, I know you guys keep saying like, oh, like it's not about the rule. It's like, well, that's it's the rule, and like the arguments coming, like you guys are coming, like it feels like an, an emotional stance, like because because yeah. I'm I'm asking, like not asking, but like uh, no, it's not I, even emotional for me. It's not emotional at all. It's it's, it's reality, bro. No, because there the, you also got to think, it's like with with this, there is abuse by some people uh, with the. So I know where I'm, I understand where the where the World Anti Doping Association comes from with abuse of this certain substance which is weed there's never weed. been one case of any yeah well no but people do people do get high because just they just like the feeling of getting high they just want to do weed and I just they don't do it for medical reasons i know your stance is on medical marijuana mm-hmm. medical 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 some of this i would say a lot of the these people that are that smoke weed are in a group where they just do it because they they like it because they have fun with it they have they don't do it for medical. They yeah. don't do it for uh, medical reasons. And all, like drinking, everybody's everybody's point is like, well, it's medical, medical, medical. Yeah, but is it, a lot of people are. Are you you're sure every single person? No, what's using the relevance it, to that though? She she never claimed to use it for medical. Yeah, though. what's the you relevance? Can, that's, you, that's what I'm saying. But you can smoke in the U.S. recreationally yeah. illegally. Well, so what's not the, what's, in the U.S. Like here, so the purpose for smoking. Hold on, but what the, the purpose for using the, the 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 substance or the plant? What does that have to do with what's going on? That has. That it has. Uh, Do you agree with the rule? Do you think it, that should be a rule? Because that's my argument. I agree. I think the rule is, is stupid and shouldn't exist anymore. Yeah. That's that's not, and that's not an emotional stance. That is a reality because we know the reality of marijuana. But but then you gotta you, you're putting the 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 World Anti Doping Association in a in a situation where. If they make it legal, let's say they make it legal, mm-hmm. some athletes in some countries can't do it. So I can see where the whole morality thing. So what? So I I can see where the whole morality thing is, like because those athletes, like fuck. Well, if I do it in my country, I'm gonna get killed. They're not obligated to do it though. No, but some that, people but, don't think it's that, moral, moral saying, to but, marry but multiple it's, wives, it's but certain countries like, you can marry multiple wives. It's like fuck, I want to do it now. Like you're doing it for like you don't get punished for that. Like I want to do right. it. Like. And you say it feels nice, it feels good, it relaxes you, and all of that. Now I don't, I do my, do I don't even do it myself. But I'm just saying, if, negative, if peer pressure is your argument, what's then the I, negative? No, but, okay, but what's the negative of of, of a player? Let's say that, that's coming from a country that's it's totally banned. What is the negatives of them saying, "Hey, why don't my country get a little progressive and start seeing the truths in all of this?" As opposed to saying it's banned, does not matter because that's what it's all about. I talked about nuance from the very yeah. beginning of this, Eddie. Baseball, Major League Baseball, one of the oldest sports known to man, right? Major League Baseball was not allowing black players for a very long time. Was that okay? No, that's racial. That, that's okay. I, I just, we can simply, like I said, we can simply. I didn't say it's Eddie. I'm making an example that rules are not just rules and we shouldn't just follow them blindly. I think the, direct, the best that's direct the comparison, I, I think the best direct comparison is substance to substance. We allow alcohol. 
We know that alcohol takes damn near a million lives every year globally. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands in, in, in the U.S. alone every year. Alcohol by drinking and driving, overdosing, uh, liver disease, all these things caused by alcoholism. Yeah, that's not a problem. We can have athletes out there drunk. No, we can't. That's not a banned substance. If someone had alcohol in their system right before they're going on a race, are they going to get banned? They're not going to let them race. Why? When, when have we ever wow. had a situation? We know all these people because drink. Because they don't like, drink right before the competition. So why would she smoke? She, did she, she smoke? She smoked right she, before the no, competition. She no, she didn't. This is days. This is days, days before. She did not. It was days before the race, the, bro. The, the, Dude, the, we all the, know the, a high. The, if you smoke a high, it doesn't last the, two days. The WIDA uh, on a statement said that this substance is not it's not uh, illegal unless it's a day, uh, the day of competition. Yeah. It has to be the day and of so, competition. But she's not, you know, she's not reaping so she, the effects of the drug, though. THC but stays in your body for up to up to she's not I get high. what you're saying. Yeah. I get right. what you're saying. But if she did a blood sample the day of competition and her high, her level, because they allow up to 150 uh, nanograms of uh, THC or whatever they call it. That allowed up to 150. Uh, Josh Gordon in the NFL got suspended because he had 15 nanograms, I think it was. Right. She had to have a hundred over 150. Uh, nano, I can't remember his nanograms on her on herself mm. in order to be considered her doing it the day of competition. So that's still on her system. That's why she didn't she didn't come out and say it's like oh I didn't you know this and I, she accept. I give her props. Yeah. She came out accepted her punishment. She did what I did was wrong and. You know, she she put her face out there. She she, you know, great for her. I just don't but, understand how she's she's how that's affecting the race two days, two three days in, in advance. Yeah, what what did just because there's a little bit of trace in her system? That's the question. It's, she's it's, not it's, reaping it's, the effects of the drug I'm, in I'm any way. It gives you an enhancement. I'm, I'm not saying then it gives why you an does enhancement. The because I'm I'm sure there's a lot of reasonings as to why it so you, so, I broke so, it down. They're literal word for so, word. So if, if the rule ends up being changed <laughs> in the next Olympic Games, the rules change. They take it. They take away the marijuana yeah. rule. Will you agree with that? If they changed it, no. I mean, well, just like the NCAA recently changed the the the, the namesake of the players. Yeah, basically. Right. We all if thought that we all thought it. the players should should have gotten paid for yeah, that, right? But that was the exactly. rule at the time, right? Exactly. So we all, so all at the at that you but, can't. But you still supported it. it, okay? But you but still supported it. But they okay. changed it for a reason. Okay, okay. But, but I get listen. what you're saying. You 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 guys want to see no, it? I didn't get to finish my point, dude. That's what I'm saying. Is college players. We were always on the side of the college players whenever they would get some some money slid to them to help them pay for a car or get an extra meal, right? That was frowned upon because they couldn't be getting they couldn't receive money because they're in college. They weren't yeah. looked at, but we still supported them, right? Did we not still say, "Oh yeah, no, we know that's the rule," but morally, these guys need some money because this nine to five job they're, they're yeah. working at McDonald's to pay for their college tuition or just to get by in their college lifestyle as a as a athlete student student athlete. These guys selling, uh, getting you know five, ten bucks, fifty bucks for a signed picture with their name on it. That they were getting, they were getting frowned upon for that, right? But but because that was the rule, they can't make money off of their own name. But we, most of us, I think, would support those guys. In the time we took the side of the player, most of the time in college, which is what I'm doing right now. Right. And I don't care if it's a rule. It's a rule. I get it. But like that's what we're doing right now. The we're still stupid. We're still. We're this is not even emotional. This is morally. Because we know the reality of marijuana, we know the effects of marijuana. Never, we have not one single incident in sports history where marijuana affected the performance, or either positively or negatively. Some guys moderately, some guys would play high, but we don't know if it made them better or not. Percy Harvin came out and talked about, but Percy Harvin had like a three-year career. Yeah, Chris Long, Howie Long's son, who had a what thirteen-year career in the NFL, he took it for medical weed, reasons. Smoked weed every single day of his NFL career. He talks about this on on his podcast openly about how it helped him with chronic pain and things of that nature. So my point is, it isn't. I, I, yeah, go ahead. Okay, sorry. No, I, I get your point, but I get the whole medical aspect. Uh, 
uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% Inflammation, for medical. pain. I'm yeah. 100% for medical aspect. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. But if not, you're just doing it to abuse the, uh, I guess in quotations, the drug. It's a recreational it's, drug it's at this a, point. It's, though, a, it's a completely different issue. You, but what is your you, definition you of abuse? Just, like you're just de- smoking it for fun. But what? Do you, okay. That, now we're getting now we're getting into schematics though, because now you're talking about somebody that might use it for chronic pain, but they also enjoy it just for the feeling of it. It could all, be both. Exactly. But there, there's a lot of people that no. don't trust me. Or I mean, depression. Or depression. Her fucking mom just died. You, you know, know? Like, exactly. Like I get her mom. Like, <laughs> I, I get that she smoked me. I get yeah. it. But at the end of the day, like. The rule was written there before you did it. 100%. I get it. No, that, I get that it. That goes back it. to my NCAA point, do, though. We, we gotta always supported the player. No, but we got we to gotta talk about what's happening right now, not what can happen in the future. What happened right now is she violated the rule. It happened. So what? Yeah, that's, she's still going to be in the Olympics. It's not like she just not going to be in the Olympics. She's still yeah. going to be in the Olympics. That's not my grievance. My grievance is yeah, the rule, period. It's the rule in itself. It's not why the rule exists is my biggest my, argument. Why the rule uh, – we want to know why the no, rule is still a thing. My stand, it should have never been. Well, my stand is the rule is still there. Once it changes, then it is she a totally known. different thing. Yeah. Do you? Oh, let me that's, ask you a that's question. my thing. Well, if it changes, yeah. Do you anticipate? 100%. Do you anticipate some being somebody if, that follows international sports? Do you anticipate that it can change in the near future, or I, will change rather? I, I wouldn't say. say in the near future. I can possibly see it change decades from now. Uh, so we're far be, away then. Yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty because you still got the whole Middle East, and you got like this Asian countries that are like that are frowned upon, and they they grow this pain in their. I guess you can say uh, pain, uh, fear in this in their citizens of doing that specific drug. So we're still far away from it. And like I said, it, they're they're put in a situation where just because a country has it legal, it doesn't mean I'm going to make it legal for every single fucking person because the U.S. does not run the fucking the International Olympic Committee. Yeah. That's where I'm coming from. That I'm not saying what I'm, she did was wrong. I'm not saying that it enhances her performance. I'm saying the rule is written. The rule is there. Yeah, the rule is there. So therefore, I guess she was trying to cope with her mother. That it, it is unfortunate. It's very sad. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, the rule was there. That's why her punishment was not as severe, I guess you can say, because the U.S. kind of sees it, sees it like, okay, you did it in, in your state. You know, you did all this stuff. We can't punish you, but because it is illegal in the International Olympic Committee, we have to do something about it. Because if we don't, they're going to probably come down with a harsher penalty for the for the organ uh, organization here in the U.S., the Olympic organization, and her, kind of like with Mac- Michael Phelps. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. Michael oh, Phelps yeah. in two thousand nine. He got suspended okay. for ninety days. Yep. Not for not for uh, testing positive for it, but because there was a picture yep. circulating in the internet because of with it with the bong mask on. And yep. he he lost sponsors and he lost everything. But a lot of people don't want to talk about that. They just bring that bring bring this whole new situation up and then they kind of like well michael phelps was a drug he did weed and then he's an alcoholic he had duis and all that stuff he did it when there was no competitions he didn't do it like months away from a competition he didn't do it the day of a competition you know he did it after the olympics after a competition that's when he did it and that's why he got suspended because a picture of him got circulated and the u.s came out saying that it looked. It was a bad. It looked bad in, in on the sport. So that's why they had to suspend him ninety days. And I, so, I, I remember Michael Phelps coming out and speaking about this too. And, and I want to get to your thought in a second, Trevor. No, uh, it's it's great you brought up Michael Phelps because he's the greatest Olympian of all time, yeah. without question. Well, American for Simone, sure. Simone might be going for that 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 pretty soon. But the point is, is that he has come out and, t- and talked openly about his severe depression yeah. and anxiety and things of that nature, and why. He smokes and does those things, and he's been he's been a uh, very anti 
norm, if you will, guy because of these very same yeah, rules. He, so the point is, and, and I think because Trevor and I talked before the show, if if these rules, if let's say none of this stuff ever happened before, and we're sitting here now, and she smoked even before a race, we're not demonizing her. The rule was put in place for a a loosely tra- a misguided and loose trans loosely translated uh, narrative. When you start bringing morality into cut and dry sports and co- competition, that's when you lose me because I'm not going to sit here and, and and go with the flow because of your belief because that's not universal. How they feel on the matter does not matter to me, just like it doesn't matter to them how I feel. They don't care how I feel about this, so it needs to be something that is universally aligned so everybody can play by the right rules. And I say right rules because of the fact that this situation, again – I'm open-minded to the idea that this could be wrong, that marijuana use could be performance-enhancing. But to Trevor's point, we have no evidence that suggests yeah. that. So that's, that's, that why, happens, that's why morality yeah, works in the favor reason. of marijuana. You can even use the morality issue, and there's an objective moral, moral, moralistic proof that, that marijuana does far more good than it does negative. That's the we can even the morality aspect even defeats itself too if they want to use it and go that route I because it works. It does more good because well then tell me it, the bad because it absolutely it can, does. It can damage a, a child's development in their brain. If, no, no, no. Well, if, children shouldn't be smoking weed. Yeah, Eddie. That's that's an entirely <laughs> different. That's that's a t- terrible choice. That is a, that's a, that's a moral issue in itself. That's, right. I'm talking about the drug itself. There's been far more negative moralistic avenues to try to demonize the plant itself. As far as negative goes, there's been racial issues and other bigoted issues gone into the plant that grows naturally in the earth for some reason that they want to make it into a negative thing. There's been far more moralistic negative side going into that than there is actual what the effects of the plant has actually well, been. I mean, but nowadays you have obviously the plant, but then you have uh, humans uh, enhancing the plant with other substances or other stuff. Just like they do so, with food and drinks. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah but, like, like I said, alcohol. But it doesn't, alcohol I know kills it, millions. I know it grows, but then you also have like the the, the weed that circulates Yeah, you don't even, you don't even it, need it to gets, enhance alcohol it, it and it gets, kills thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. I don't understand how that's a bad argument. It's not a banned argument. substance. That's the question. That, it's not banned. It, it's circular. It always comes back around. Why is marijuana in itself banned? That's what we want because to know. Because of the origin of marijuana. You, you brought up Literally, bad. it affects Okay, no you brought athletes. up children. Are any of these children in the Olympics? We're talking about grown people no, but here. it can affect their growth. But so we're talking we will about probably grown never see athletes. Them. We're talking about grown athletes that take their own. But, that's what I'm, but then yeah. that's where the whole morality comes from. Like, what do you want children seeing people, at like athletes that they look up to smoking weed because they're like, well, if he smokes weed, I want to smoke so, weed. So, so in the NBA finals, when LeBron James and, and J.R. Smith, all these guys, they won the finals, and they're all smoking big old fat tobacco stogies, which is fucking poison, and they're and they're yeah, washing and, and they're washing it down with Henny. That's okay to do, publicly put that on TV, which I don't have a problem with that. Let me be very clear. I don't have a problem with that either. But marijuana is somehow banned. Marijuana is somehow frowned upon. Why? And to Trevor's point about substance against substance, I'm going to bring it back you up. You have to compare because it. you it's moral morality, right? Okay. Back in the 40s, before Jackie Robinson played in the majors, a lot of white baseball fans and players more realistically didn't believe that black and white people should play together in sports. So to their morals, they felt they were right. That's the problem with stuff like this, is that you can't base it off of personal opinion and personal belief. It has to go off of facts. And objectively, objective objective morality, we all knew that that racist bullshit was wrong. But that was a subjective moral landscape that these people carried around in their personal lives to think that they were right. But objectively, 
On the grand scheme of things, we all know that they're wrong. Just like grand scheme of marijuana, which is why it's becoming legalized, which is why people are, are not being sentenced nearly as long or even getting out of prison because we know it's not wrong. We know it's not wrong anymore. So like it's, it's t- obviously we live in a very progressive country now. Overall, I mean, obviously we set trends for countries a- abroad, but this is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm literally just trying to, I'm not trying to be, I am on the right side of history right now. When I look back on this, once that rule eventually gets changed, because I fully believe it will, because if alcohol summer, for some reason is, is not a banned substance and is fine to even drink on the premises of almost damn near every sporting event, but weed is illegal somehow. We go, weed is banned somehow. Why? Why? Why, why, why? What is the difference between someone smoking straight up at, in, in the stands of a football game rather than someone getting drunk and driving their kids home? I would say because- From a game. How is that uh, different? It, we, tell me which one's more dangerous. What is that, secondhand smoke? I guess it's more because if I'm drinking alcohol, you no, you shouldn't be smoking in front of kids. I get but, that. I'm not. But I'm you not won't get that. the effects of even if I'm at a stand. Like let's say I'm a, the at effects a stadium, is death, my guy. Even if I'm at a stadium and I'm smoking weed, just you'll you'll get other people high with your own smoke, right? Possibly, yeah. Yes, with alcohol, you're only infect. You're only getting it to yourself. Ingesting wise, yes. Yeah, but I'm talking about the outward appear the outward situations that take place with alcohol. Because you brought up the good and bad of weed, let's talk about the good and bad of alcohol. How many instances of bad. DUIs, violent acts, all domestic violences, all those things have stemmed from what Eddie? Not marijuana use. It's been alcohol. It's been drug abuse. Or drug abuse. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Drugs that are not marijuana is what I'm saying. So illicit, we have. Illicit. Yes, we have all this backing, factual scientific evidence that proves that marijuana doesn't do negatives to any. I'm not even trying to sit here and be a pro leafer here when it comes to all these things. And and, and I'm just trying to break down this one instance to better understand why the WADA stands so firmly on this when their stance in itself is shaky at best. If their best excuse, their criteria is the spirit of sport. They're making a Disney movie. They're not running an actual league or an organization. This is a farce. Is, it makes no actual sense, Eddie, because her taking that does not make her the athlete she is. Because Barry Bonds and guys that use steroids, yes, it enhanced their game, but they had to have natural gifts in order to be able to perform at the levels they did. Why does everyone want Reggie Bush to get his Heisman Trophy back? Because of bullshit rules that were back in the times right. he played. That have been changed now. Right, and we want them comp- recompensated, right? Because we all knew at that time it was still it was still wrong. We all f- fully supported Reggie Bush, you know. We all, f- like I said, this is more of a moral and not emotional for me, a moral judgment and argument from my end because we all knew what happened to Reggie Bush was absolutely wrong. It just took years and years and years after the fact to know. Now everyone wants him to get his reimbursed and get that trophy back. Why? Because we knew it was wrong, and in the time we still supported him, right? The rules are. It's it's quote it's quoted wrong right now, but we all know we all support her and, and, and the fact that it's it's a harmless drug, a har- not even a drug, a harmless plant that grows naturally in the ground that she has in her body that affects the sport in no way, no way it affects the sport. That's a, that's just my biggest confusion. I just think the rule needs to go away. That's my biggest grievance. Bro. I was talking to two time Olympian Muna Lee just this last Sunday at eight ten Sports Radio WHB with uh, Darren Smith on the ship. And we had an incredible conversation. And one of the things that she broke down about her own career was a technicality that kept her from qualifying for metal. Uh, she jumped the line. I forget the I forget the the actual uh, phrase she used to describe it, but she jumped too quickly before the gun went off. And now, in today's modern track, they let you come back and retry right. if no one else jumps, right? And she had a jump, and that disqualified her from meddling. But if she was performing in today's Track and field as opposed to 2004, guess what? She gets an opportunity to medal. 
So we're talking about nuanced rules here yeah. that benefit the players. So unfortunately, Shakari is now sitting in a, in, a, in a society and in an organization that is so outdated that she's suffering punishment. She shouldn't be having to suffer because I guarantee you, like you said, Trevor, we're going to be looking back in 20 to 30 years, hopefully not that long, like Eddie was saying about decades away. We will eventually be looking back and going, more years she should have Olympics. never had to suffer this, yeah, this because this is why, there's no yeah. reason for it. This is why this is not – my argument is not about – the rules being the rules. The rules are the rules. I am acknowledging that. I understand the reality of that. Man-made rules based on how archaic they are or not. My problem is why? Why are the rules the rules? Why? And they should be revisited, period. Yeah. And that's where we're going to leave it, man, because I feel like we can keep going on in this. The, the point is... Um, it's just a very unfortunate situation all the way around. No matter how you look at it, I think it's just unfortunate that a great athlete doesn't get a chance to really shine. In a, well, in she's an still going to shine. She's going to in the relays, but the 100 meters is what she's incredible at. So it's just unfortunate to see that she doesn't get a chance to do the 100 meters. But I think she's going to still crush ass, do incredible jobs out there at the Olympics, and I wish her nothing but the best. I wish all these athletes nothing but the best because the Olympics are an absolute marvel, man. It's a great, it's a great display of athleticism. It's the – it's the mecca of it all, man. So we're really looking forward to this out there in Tokyo. We're going to take a quick break, though, because when we get back, we're getting right back to our guy, Eddie Ortiz. Make sure yo, 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 and the Eddie out. We'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. We had ourselves a very spirited topic, debate rather, on that first segment. I really enjoyed that. It was a great time, man. And if, uh, if you guys have your thoughts and opinions on that, man, do not hesitate to hit us up. Hit us up on Twitter at The Spoken Pod, or you can hit us up on Facebook at The Spoken. We'd love to hear your opinions on this matter because this is a very heated subject, and I don't think it's going to be cool down anytime soon but in the meantime we need to get to something that is very important to our show it is one of the core strengths of our show each and every week it is the eddie hour eddie what is going on in the eddie hour what provocative oh, topics and questions do you have for trevor and I tonight? Not, nothing too much man but i want to start with baseball i want to ask you uh about this whole kc royals fans coming out and uh saying like quote unquote get the fuck out of kc and you know shit like that i, I just want to get your thoughts on that whole situation of Royals fans being so pissed off at the organization and stuff like that. I look, I'm from Kansas city. So I understand that the losing has been a thing that we have very much become accustomed to here in Kansas city. When it comes to the sports aspect of things, when it comes to the Royals bait, when it comes to the wizards back in the day, when it comes to the chiefs, we've had a lot of heartbreak here. So we are naturally, I think prone to looking at 
the most, the extremes of everything. You know, once the Royals started winning, they're the best team ever, and this guy's the best ever, and then the Chiefs start winning, this guy and this, I'm victim of it. I, I, I admit that I am, I'm a victim of that. It's, it's something we just naturally do. I think all sports fans do this, especially in a city where you're just hungry and thirsty and dying for winning. I think what happened this season in particular with the Royals and the Royals fans is that we came into the season with very little expectation because I think everybody knew, based off the last couple of seasons, this Royals team's not going to be very good. They're going to be you know, fighting for an opportunity maybe at the playoffs, but I think we we're all being realistic and realizing that's not going to probably happen. And then the Royals go and have the best record in baseball in April. And I think what that did is that that offset or that set, up, set in motion this idea False that, hopes. okay, this Royals team's for real. So then standards started to become a thing where fans started expecting this team to win you know, two out of three games in a series or three out of four games in a series. That started becoming a legitimate thing. People were even asking if this was the best team in baseball. That And now we look back and look at that and think it's hilarious, but that was a legitimate talking point on sports radio here in Kansas City. We were talking about it on the show. But something I brought up on the show, and I stand by it, I told fans, be prepared for the chaos, though. Because baseball in itself is a long-ass season. It's it, it literally covers over six months of the six months of the year. And you're talking about a team that had such thin margins already when it came to talent and it came to consistency. When it, I mean Mike Mike Matheny, when he got hired here as the manager, people were laughing about it because of how much of a fraud he was in St. Louis. You thought that was just gonna change? You know, a lot of people were questioning whether Date Moore was just resting on his laurels because of the success of 2014 and 2015, which is valid. So I understand the uh, b- these fans being upset and wanting wanting things to happen, but I, I don't really understand the confusion here as to why fans are all of a sudden just shell-shocked by this. This team has sucked since 2016, and outside of 2014 and 2015, they've been the laughingstock of baseball for the better part of three decades. So I, I don't know what I'm missing because I've lived my entire life here in Kansas City. I know what this fan this uh, this this team is and has been, and I feel so horrible for this fan base for what they've had to go through. But it's more of the same, to be honest, man. And I I understand you want better and you expect better and you should demand better. We saw it in Arrowhead in 2012 when they blacked out Arrowhead. Our guys, Martin McDonald, Clay Windler, and other guys. Put that together and change did happen. I'm all for the fans rioting and saying, you know what, fuck this, enough is enough. But how you do that is by stop talking about them. Stop watching them. Stop going to their games. Stop buying their merchandise. Stop giving a fuck. Once you stop giving a fuck and they see that and and, and their bottom dollar starts to get hurt, they are then forced to make adequate changes. That's what you want to see, guys. That's how you have to go about it. It's happened throughout history in American sports. I don't see the need to sit here and ask for the team to go away because I think if we're being honest here, if the Royals were to go away, we the Royals fans would be very upset with the situation because they they realize that baseball now is no longer a thing here and there's no opportunity for advancement or for success to ever happen again. So I think we need to push back a little bit, but not to the degree of asking the team to leave because that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it sure seems like a lot of these Royals fans need to, need to smoke some weed or something. Um, that's besides the point. Uh, look, man, that early run – Set up false hopes, point blank period. They set up false hopes for this team, for these fan bases, for this fan base. Look, I love the Royals, man. I love my city. I love, you know, Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. We all are combined. We're all a melting pot of Royals fans and Chiefs fans, Missouri fans, KU fans, K State fans, all the above. It's I love the melting pot that this, that both these cities combined become. But we got to be real with ourselves, guys. I mean, I, I refer back before we started the segment to the Matt Castle era. 
of of uh, you know right before the LX Smith era came in, it came to be. You know when we actually started winning some games and, and Andy Reid got here. Well, we made a stance as fans that we save our Chiefs, black out these these games. You know we we, we put our foot down and what what happened? We saw improvement. We they heard our voice. It is what it is. But man, look, sports are hard. Especially baseball, the long, grueling ups and downs of momentum in baseball, more than any other sport. There's so many. Uh, it, it, there's there's peaks and valleys in baseball. No matter how good your team is, there's not one team that just completely owns the entire season of baseball. There's hot streaks and there's cold streaks. No matter what team you are, no matter how good your roster is, when your roster is just point blank not good, there's going to be a whole lot more lows than there are highs. And that's what this Royals team is, guys. That's why when we did our pre preseason talk, you know, we had questions about the Royals going into the season. I said, "Look, guys, this is this roster is, is subpar. It's, there's there's some young bucks that we can see that in the future becoming stars and possibly being uh, guys that we can ride the coattail coattails of and, and and to lead to victory." But look, man, this is not like this is it's not like this is the Chiefs that are struggling. It's not like Patrick Mahomes is out here, you know, laying eggs weekly. That would be a real issue. This Royals team did not have high expectations. I don't care who you are. I don't care how avid and, and, and diehard of a Royals fan you are. You did not have, you did not have high expectations heading heading into this season. Shit, like you said, Lance, most of us were judging Mike Matheny as a, as a, as a, as a, you know a manager. None of us. The majority of we saw all the polls on Twitter. The majority of the people here in this city did not want Mike Matheny. And now we went on a hot streak early on in the year, and then he was our guy. And now we're shitting on him, and now we're shitting on all the players. We want to kick him out of town because they're struggling. That's baseball, guys. If you're not good in baseball, you don't have a good roster, and you're and you're hitting your your peaks and your valleys are going to be much higher and much deeper in moments, especially the valleys, right? So we're in a big valley. This this season's been majority a deep deep valley that we've been struggling in, and you know what? We just got to suck it up. We got to suck it up as fans, and we want better. We got to voice our opinions. If we don't voice our opinions, and you're just going to be somebody that just stands by and waits for things to get better, so be it. But I mean, it is it just is what it is. It's the reality of the situation. This roster is not good, so I'm not expecting high performances from this roster. And you know, hopefully, the next coming seasons, we have some young guys. Like I said, hopefully things go up in the in, in the years to come, which is very possible. But I mean, you just got to be patient, man. Baseball is a patient sport. This is why we don't see a lot of repetitive champions in baseball. It just it, it, there's always a year or two or Let's three in between. <laughs> no, I mean, but I mean, and those those repetitive guys that, that and within decades that repeat. But it's never like three peats, four peats. It's not how baseball works, man. It's a very just talent moves around throughout the sport, and momentum is huge in baseball. And we've had pretty much zero of it outside of that one hot streak early on in the year that we've had. So it's it just is what it is. We are who we are, man. All righty. Uh, next question comes from uh, for for baseball too. Ooh. Oh. So it's been announced that Trevor Bauer has been uh, placed in Jesus, a seven day administrative yeah. leave uh, because he has been accused of sexual assault. Once you get your like. Thoughts on that? You don't have to say um, anything about. Yeah, this. I mean, kind of like your thoughts on this. It. Is this is one of the most touchy subjects you could ever address? So I Especially have to be very now. careful on how I address it. Um, all I'll say is is that there has been <clears throat> some evidence that has come out uh, in regards to what is being accused of him, and if it is true uh, that what this woman is claiming Trevor Bauer has done to her on multiple occasions. Um, then I, I really hope that he suffers adequate punishment for what he allegedly is being accused of doing uh, to this woman on, again, multiple occasions. On the on the flip side of it, what I will say is I do find it interesting because I've, I've read the entire accusation a couple of times to make sure I didn't miss anything. Mm. The, the only flare-up I have – well, there's a few flare-ups I have, but the only major flare-up I have with said accusation – is the fact that this the the victim in this situation in that scenario uh, went back 
from San Diego to Pasadena, which is a couple hour drive, I'm not mistaken, to go and visit Trevor Bauer again for a sexual uh, liaison, I believe is the proper word. Yeah, an encounter. Yes. So my whole my my question in all this in it natural in its natural form is if he was to end up if he if he did rape this woman he did these horrific acts to this woman i don't understand why she went back for a second instance so there's some confusion on my end but again this is there, he's put on a he's put on like an, an essentially administrative leave right now he's yeah. getting paid his salary seven so but he's not allowed to be with the team right now for 7 days I, i'm really hoping we find out the truth in all this on either side cuz again if he did this shit he needs to be thrown in a fucking cell and be and be put in there for a very long time. If she's making this shit up, then she should be suffering some serious punishment as well because this is the type of stuff that doesn't go away. Because no matter, let's say, let's say he's completely innocent in this, we know here locally that even though Tyreek Hill was proven, he was exonerated completely, and he was proven innocent in his situation. You go on Twitter on anything he posts, he could talk about anything, and you'll see comments on there about him beating his son and hitting his woman and all this other stuff, even though he's been proven right. So this is a really – I'm going to have to stay up to date on this one because it's very touchy, and I'm not taking sides on this one yet. I'm very much very much neutral on this one because either one can happen, and I'm I'm hoping within this next week or so, hopefully by the next episode that we air, we have a a definitive answer as to what took place. We may never really have one, but I'm hoping for one because it just sucks all the way around, man. Yeah, I tend to to give some pause to a guy to to these scenarios when the the person that it's being accused has a pretty much spotless record. Trevor Rowler has been always always a great player, as far as we know, a class act, very humorous guy, but a class act nonetheless. He he's always been himself. He uh, these situations are very touchy man so obviously i'm very i'm obviously completely separated from this so my opinion holds no weight but like you said man just the the bare bones of all this if he is if he does uh you know they have evidence against him and this is a factual event he actually did do these things uh whether or not she came back for more that's not really the problem because we've seen um uh, um um stockholm syndrome type situations where the abuser or the, the abused falls in love with the abuser and, and and continues to be in a relationship with this person that continues to abuse him. So that is a real uh, uh, scenario, too, that could have taken place. Who knows? But I, I, I sincerely give pause to certain situations when someone has a, a, tr- a spotless tr- track record. No other occurrences like this in his lifetime, as far as we know, um, in his personal life. So these things kind of popping up out of nowhere kind of is a red flag to me personally, but I'm not, this, that's not my opinion. That's just my opinion on that, but I don't have a solidified real reason to give that. Cause I don't know him personally or her, but I'm just going to step back, let the chips fall where they may. And now if he's proven guilty, he should definitely suffer and, and, and get reap, reap the consequences of his actions. And if she's, if she's lying and she's putting up a front, she's trying to meet to this guy. She deserves everything that's coming her way as well. And then just quick, uh, Salvador Perez will compete in the home run derby this year. Nice. And I, I heard, I'm not mistaken, he'll start for the seventh time in his career in an all-star game, which I think is that's second, still, second that's still one of the funnest City things to watch, happy. man. That's that's still the funniest thing to watch in the all-star the home game. Run derby? Yeah, absolutely. Like oh, dude. And they made it better to where it's like they don't give you like specific balls. They just like uh, let you uh, – I think it's a timer, and then you mm-hmm. get like thirty seconds. It's always the best like, too, uh, and the dads out there throwing it like whenever oh, they had the, like yeah. when Bryce Harper had his dad out there. That it, shit was awesome. Yeah, that was maybe my favorite home run. Yeah, derby, that was I, great. I used to hate it when they would have the. Uh, yeah, you don't have any time. You just take all the time. You just drag oh, yeah. on, dude. Now they have the timer. The, the it timer. makes it very exciting. Interesting, isn't that ironic too? Because baseball has no timers, and we always talk about how monotonous yeah. and just sluggish the games get. Yeah, baseball All-Star Weekend is great. I'll still give them that. NBA and NFL, they all have clocks, yeah. and it makes it all exciting because you're running out of time. 
I don't know. Maybe baseball thinks about something like that because yeah, you the, see it in the home run derby. It works. It's the three point contest. That I used to like yeah. what they used to do with the uh, with the uh, all star game because they kind of gave a little more meaning to the all star game with the home. Oh yeah, for the World Series. The home, oh yeah, the yeah. home field. You get advantage. leverage. Yeah, that was amazing. Yes, yeah. Because you actually had baseball players trying right. to win and then. But I think they went away from that because, like, every other sport doesn't do it. But yeah, it's kind of and, and, and now you see how little people care about the All-Star game in the MLB now. Like, it's it's not a game that people really focus on because, yeah. like you said, it has no bearing on anything yeah, It's kind of like the NBA. If the, I think if the NBA win is like, okay, whoever wins this wins home court advantage in the finals – you were gonna see like ninety three to eighty nine still, games. I still, I still, I still like the skills, the skill challenge of everything, yeah, yeah, even yeah. in the NFL, like the, the the accuracy challenges and all that stuff. I love all that, but like having an actual like Pro Bowl game and an NBA uh, All Star game where all these guys face each other in a real game that that's really becoming meaningless. Honestly, a baseball All Star baseball game like where these guys are actually playing a real game that's becoming meaningless. Skills challenge and stuff like that, where you can get the fans involved. That's like the best part of it. That's like the yeah. camaraderie and the best part of it where you can have like a outside of the actual game, yeah. you can show off your individual skill set. I thought it was yeah. great that I saw Mike Trout's first all-star game here in Kansas City and Chipper Jones simultaneously, Chipper Jones' last all-star game. I was an honor, man, to be able to yeah. be there at Kaufman. 2012? 2012, yeah. dude. Ooh. And Charlie oh, yeah, yeah, Sheen yeah. walked right by me, even though he was at the peak of his Tiger blood power. Remember that shit? <laughs> he walked right behind me, bro. It was awesome. All right. Uh, next question. I snuck into that game, by the way. I want to get your thoughts on the $10 million fine for Washington football team. I don't know how else to say this other than just saying this. It's about damn time. Uh, if you read any literature at all about the culture in, in the Washington football league or, or football team organization, $10 million almost seems like they, they got away scot-free slap like a slap wrist. on the wrist. Yeah. I mean, I don't even need to get into specifics because I honestly don't want to because it makes me uncomfortable what the women had to go through, the cheerleaders, what they had to go through as basically sex objects to the rich men that were a part of that organization. It is It was disgusting to hear some of the shit that I've heard. There's numerous uh, – uh, uh, I'm sorry, documentaries that have come out since then about Dan Snyder's having no awareness of any of this shit going down, but yet he's the owner. And it is true. I will say this. Dan Snyder is one of the most least involved owners in the NFL, yet sub, – sub, subsequently is one of the biggest names of all the owners in the NFL, which is the weirdest thing imaginable. But I think it has to do with location and what, what division he's in as well with Jerry Jones and the Mara family of the New York Giants and all that stuff. But the point is, is that this needed to happen. It should have happened a long time ago, and I was kind of hoping for more severe punishment. But this is where we're at right now. This is progress. I'll take it as a win. But that, that organization has got a long way to go. And luckily for them, and I'm not trying to make this just too football-related, but it is football-related, Having Ron Rivera in the, in, in the building is a big thing because that is a Morale. you want to talk about a, 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 that is an oak of a man right there, and that is a guy that can change the culture of a franchise. And they got very lucky with that one. So um, this needed to happen. Like I said, it was very necessary. And I hope that if anything like this ever happens again, not just in this franchise, but any other franchise and any other sport, they get exposed immediately and drug in the mud for what they did. Yeah, they got to make an example out of them. I mean, that, and that's literally what they just did. I mean, uh, money doesn't matter here. This is not about money. This is about them admitting defeat because the they, they had to get the, the fine went down, period. It's not about money. This is, these All of these franchises are worth billions of dollars. That fine does, is, doesn't mean anything to them. It's the fact that it's optically viewed as a loss. They took the L publicly. And everyone's seen it. Everyone, they're, they're, they're naked at the party. They're naked in the classroom right now. And everyone sees them for what they are. And they had to take that L publicly. It's not about the money. They set an example, and I'm proud of the NFL for doing it. Nice. All right. Uh, two more questions for you guys. Or could be three if we have time. 
Uh, next question. If Chris Paul wins the finals, will that solidify his Hall of Fame if he hasn't already? Uh Chris Paul's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. In fact, he's one of the five greatest point guards to ever live. I know that's been a controversial topic of sorts. Look, if you if you honestly, if you know basketball, if you've watched basketball for any length of time and you want to tell me John Stockton's a better player than Chris Paul, even though I want to give John Stockton all the credit in the world for only, I think, mean, and, and what was it, 18 seasons he played, 17, 18 seasons, he only missed like 21 games. Uh, all-time leader in steals, all-time leader in assists. I get all that, and I want to give him the proper respect. Surefire Hall of Famer. Chris Paul is a significantly better put overall th- basketball yeah. put player. Put 35-year-old John Stock yeah. on the Suns team. You think they're, he's yeah, putting up the numbers that Chris Paul is doing Chris right Paul, now? Chris Hell Paul, no. Chris Paul, although extremely undersized, has been one of the better defenders in the league for de- for over a decade. Uh, he's still can an, score with the best He's a much one. better shooter and creator of the shot than John Stockton ever was. I will say it might be a flush in how they you know distribute the ball and all that, but if that's yeah. the only thing John Stockton's got on CP, even if we were to give him the edge, nah. it's absolutely absurd. So to answer your question as honestly and as quickly as I can, Eddie, without question, that all this would do <clears throat> is just enhance the already the illustrious career that Chris Paul's already had. Because to me, you know how I feel about rings. I don't think they makes that makes a player any greater than they would be without one. Charles Barkley, Allen Iverson, guys like that. Some of the greatest players of all time. John Stockton, as I just mentioned, some of the greatest players of all time. Zero rings combined. Yeah. It so rings aren't gonna what as it what makes CP3 great because he had 15 great seasons before this one when he finally got to the dance. And it's ironic too, because this is one of the few times in his entire career where he's had a legitimate scoring option that can shoot and create their own shots. If you go back his time back with New Orleans. With the Hornets, you go back in the times with him and the Clippers, and Blake Griffin was a really good, fun player, but he was more Sean Kemp than anything else. Wasn't really a shot creator. Now that he's finally got himself a Devin Booker, what happens? Now, a lot had to go right. Lakers had to get hurt, jazz and all that stuff. All the A lot of things had to go right for the Suns, but they capitalized. That's the point here. And and Chris Paul's the leader of all this, and I'm happy for him. So, no, it, it doesn't solidify his career as a Hall of Famer. It just enhances it. Yeah, it just adds to his already solidified career. I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer. has been one already. Uh, Carmel Anthony, a, a similar guy to me, has had a Hall of Fame career. You look at the numbers, this guy's numbers are crazy. One of the one of the greatest scorers of all time, Carmel Anthony. Um, one of the best, you know, uh, as far as you know, ball in the hand scores in my mind. So, I, and the same thing goes for Chris Paul, one of the best point guards we've ever seen in that position. Uh, one of the best defenders too in his prime. So one of the best on-ball defenders at that position, best distributors, and and guy that has a great go-to move and knows how to find his spot regardless of the defense. You could be in his face and he finds that mid-range spot by the free throw, the corner of the free throw line. It's more than likely going in at like an eighty percent clip. The guy nails that shot. He's he's he's, he's been ice his whole career. Uh, he's just been on some bad teams and, and has failed big moments for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. For me, I'm just gonna keep it short. Chris Paul has been a Hall of Famer in my mind for some years now, um, and and the ring just is literally just a cherry on top of it. So, I mean, we did what we saw what he did last season with the yeah. That was fucking yeah. Crazy. Okay, see, he carried that team. Was the most clutch player in they the league. Dirt on. They were He's incredible, the, man. They were putting dirt on that team and his career. When Chris Paul's incredible, bro. Yeah. And to see what he did, yeah. You could call you could call him a, a prick and an that's asshole. why it wasn't easy. It works. Well, that's why it wasn't easy for me when when our neighbor Reese brought up that comparison between him and Russell Westbrook. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I would take CP3 oh, over Russell Russ. Westbrook's more talented. He's the player. more specimen type yeah, player. Russell, Russ is the more talented athlete. But as far but as like, Chris is the better basketball. But as far as player. making a team better, Overall, I think yeah. Chris yeah. Paul's Chris Paul's better, better at that. basketball player. Yes, yeah, that's I my, mean, that's saw, my yeah. argument. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Next question. Uh, this might trigger trigger lens. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So oh. marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> so get it bent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I want to get your thoughts on the NCAA finally letting their athletes get paid. The only the only takeaway I took from this was, I mean, obviously the the euphoria of finally this is happening. I also felt some, a, a certain level of sadness because Trevor brought up Reggie Bush earlier uh, and what he what was taken from him and the embarrassment that he suffered and went through as one of the greatest collegiate players of all time. No doubt. To have his stats stripped, to have his uh, Heisman stripped, to have everything stripped from him and what he did at USC. I watched his career, the three years he played there. I don't know if I've ever seen a better college player than Reggie Bush. He was phenomenal in every in every regard. And to see that although it's so great for the players currently and the future players to see this now, being able to pay for their likeness and things of that nature, it's how it should have been all along. And we talked about rules earlier, which is ironic. It's also heartbreaking because I think guys like Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel and Reggie Bush and all these other great players before didn't get this opportunity. And it just really, really sucks for them. But – I do think that this is also a major step in the right direction of getting out of the NCAA business. College sports, college athletics as a whole, getting the living fuck out of the NCAA business because this this organization has been a sham, a travesty, a joke, a spectacle at best the entire way through. They have been capitalizing and manufacturing money on money off of the backs of these unpaid athletes. Most of these guys, most of these women, never will ever play pro sports. But that didn't stop these colleges, universities, and the NCAA from making billions off of what they've been able to do. Yes, there are opportunities that are presented. They can get those opportunities elsewhere as well. They can get those opportunities overseas, in other countries, and other leagues. So the NCAA no longer provides stuff that is intangible and untouchable. They give you the same thing that Lithuania could give you, except Lithuania can actually provide you a stipend. And now the NCAA is finally doing it in 2021. To me, it's a little too late. It's great for some of these players, like I said, but I'm really hoping this is a large step forward and then breaking the fuck away from the NCAA because they are a shit, as my guy Eddie would say. Yeah, it's about damn time, to say the least. Um, we live in a time, man, where, where the people have – everyone has an opinion. As a collective, we can come together and do great things, man, especially in America – Granted, there's a lot of negative things that come with it too. Can't the cancel culture that we live in now? There, there's a lot of negatives tied to it, but there's also good things that could come with it, with the power of the people, man, and and, and the voices being able to heard as a collective now more than ever. Um, and that's how things like this get done. And I'm I'm could be more proud of our people of this country, uh, more more proud of the the athlete current athletes, uh, past athletes, and future athletes uh, that that have spoken up and 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 um, you know and protection and and to the backing of these athletes that have been done wrong and have been used and damn near slave driven uh, uh financially to you know be the the goat the the you know animal that's moving the sleds for all these you know uh universities they literally are the ones that providing them the biggest income for these universities to keep them moving along. And the, the biggest double standard too is real quickly is, you know, you have someone in college in the same college, that's not an athlete, but they're a, say a psych major. Someone hands them, you know, a few hundred dollars to, you know, take care of their food for that week. No one bats an eye, but because you play a sport and someone slides you money, now there's collusion. They're all kids, man. Like they're all kids trying to make the best of their lives. And it's just because you happen to play a sport, you, you can't be making money or you can't, you know, no one can help you and help support you and, you know, fulfill your dreams that you're going for and sacrificing your life and relationships and everything else in your life to do this. And you, your chances of making it are way more slim than you would like to admit, but they're out here doing it nonetheless and, and, and barely making it. So I just think the double standard there is I'm glad it's finally gone and I'm glad these people are actually 
getting some kind of revenue for what they're literally sacrificing their time and energy and life in general to to make uh, somewhat a success for their life. So I'm 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 not going to say I'm proud of the NCAA because this has been a long time coming. This is something that should have happened a long time ago, but I'm just, I'm I'm glad it's finally here. And we should add that the schools are not going to pay these out. It's just going to be full endorsements and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. So the they're getting treated pretty much as pros. They're not going to lose the money. Yeah. They're just trying they to can still, Oh, they're the still making the money yeah. on the like, likeliness of the yeah. players. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, just a little quick question. There, we got like four minutes. Uh, I saw this trending and not trending, but I saw some a few conversations here on Twitter talking about this, uh, saying that if Daniel Jones does not produce or perform this year. The Giants should consider moving on from him. I want to get your thoughts on that. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was a risk to take at number six overall a couple of seasons ago. He had big shoes to fill because Eli Manning, whether he was a great quarterback or not, was a big name. Uh, they had a lot of success with him. And it was that, that's, that's a lot to ask for a young quarterback. Daniel Jones is a really good athlete, and I actually know a few Giants fans, and I've, I've gotten varied opinions on Daniel Jones, and I think the consistency has been we're holding out hope, but we're willing to move on if he doesn't perform. And I think that's just—I think that's how every team needs to approach things, especially at the quarterback position, because it's so pivotal. It's the most valuable position in all of sports. He needs to perform at a high level this year and stay healthy and not fumble so fucking much. And if he does that, he's gonna have a long career in the NFL. Because, like I said, he's a damn good athlete. He just has to put it together. And I, I just don't know. I to me, he's an incomplete at this time because he's shown me some promise, but he's got a really bad turnover problem. When you have that in the league, you don't last long. He's the Drew Lock of the NFC, man. He's—he's he's not special. He has he, he's not special. Go look at the numbers; they're damn near identical, man. And he's not special in he's any a way. Much better athlete, Drew. What is it shown though? It doesn't translate to wins. I don't. I mean, he he's has zero weapons outside of Saquon Barkley. What do you mean? He's got one of the one of the most talented tight ends he's, in the league. Evan Ingram's one of the most talented yeah, tight ends. Who's also underperformed even with Eli Manning. Yeah, they have uh, uh, Shepard there. They have they had Gold, always hurt. They had Golden Tate there. They had they had some. They have Sterling Sterling Shepard, and they have uh, what's his name Gary uh, uh, Slayton, who's a good receiver as well. I don't. I just don't buy his talent. I don't think his arm talent, and that's what matters as a quarterback. Yeah, he can. He's got wheels. Congratulations. There's a lot of guys that can run the football. Chase Daniels can run the football. Um, I don't really care. Like we've seen guys that can We're run. Drug the football. testing. Trevor immediately <laughs> contact HR. He said Chase Daniels can run. First of all, it's Chase Daniel. We've, seen, we've seen Chase Daniel have many times where he's he's scrambled and he's he's done well with his legs. Oh. That's congratulations. <laughs> I don't really care. And we even seen when 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 uh, he had that open field uh, ability to run and he tripped over his own damn feet and couldn't finish the play. <laughs> I'm just saying, like that was funny. That was what dude. That was, team was dying laughing. Dude, yeah, that shit was hilarious. That shit was all by himself. <laughs> Literally all by himself. That was his moment, bro. Even the defender was like, "What the fuck?" Like, he lost his dude? job right there. Anyways, anyways, I think I think he's comparison to his Drew. He's the Drew Lock in the NFC. I don't think he's anything special. He'll be gone in two years. Well, Trevor's the Drew Lock of this show. No, yeah. <laughs> so we appreciate that, Eddie. That was a great uh, Eddie hour. I think I. The trigger level was up like a six and a half, seven. I've I've gone to I've almost I've hit the Tim damn near almost yeah, every I know week. NCAA gets you. <laughs> oh yeah, you know how I feel about those motherfuckers. We didn't get to you guys, the listening audience, man. It's time for the Monday mailbag. I am so excited. I heard there's a lot of traffic in this one, man. I cannot wait to get to this one, guys. Stay tuned. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S.
to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. We do each and every week as we give you, the listening audience, an opportunity to take over the entire show for an entire segment. Whatever it is you guys are fuming on, whatever you're steaming on, whatever you want to get out there into the universe, you get it out here in the Monday Mailbag on the Spoken Podcast. So, Eddie, what is in the Monday Mailbag this week, my dude? All right, man. We're starting off with Donnie Couch. Uh, hey, guys, and discount Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> I don't know who that is. What? Who is that? Honest question, Donnie. Do you just like think of a random Spanish like celebrity? <laughs> like, and nothing just like Guillermo del Toro. Like, good lord, <laughs> man. No. Yeah, don't say Latinx because then I'll fucking slap. That's you. what I'm Jesus saying. Christ. It's almost like, well, because I think Guillermo is from Spain. It's going to cover the whole spectrum of Latinos. Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro is a famous director. He makes horror movies. He's yeah. Mexican. Is he Mexican? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I recant my statement. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he's Mexican. The, yeah. the point is, I think he's, is he's, he's Latinx. Mexican? Mexican American. Okay, I don't care. You know what? Just keep going, Donnie. Whatever you gotta do, man. God. <laughs> All right. Uh, how's your week? Great. Good. It's been yeah. awesome, man. Do you think it's a possibility Clint Capella gets traded this off season? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't think so. Just naturally, off the fact that I think the Hawks are riding high of what they've done in the in the postseason. I will say this: I think there's a little fool's gold to the Hawks. I hate to be that way. I know everyone's saying, "Oh, they're building like the Warriors." Well, you don't just build like the Warriors because you don't have two of the greatest shooters of all time, and then you add Kevin Durant to the equation. Trey Young is a very good player. Bogdanovich is a really good shooter. Bogdanovich is an awesome shooter. Herder is a really good shooter. Herder is really butted into something. John Collins is a super good player. He's, he's probably gone. He's averaging 18, 19 points a game for his career, and he's only 23, and he's going to get paid. I don't think they're going to trade Clint Capella because of what they gave up to, to bring him in. They paid him a lot of money especially to bring him Especially if Collins in. is gone. Yeah, and especially if Collins is gone, so that adds even more value to uh, Cabela. So I'm going to say no at this time, and I'm going to be interested to see how the Hawks perform after this season. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it hinges on the success of the season. If they, if they win this series and go to the finals, say they make a run in the finals and go seven games and they barely lose, or shit, say they win. I think a lot of it hinges on what they do with the rest of this postseason run here because they've already overachieved, yeah. right? And I think if Capella has been a big part of them defensively and all the offensive rebounds he's produced and second-chance points that that's produced for Trey and all the other shooters, he's been a, a vital guy for them. Whether what are he, you going to get for Clint in a trade anyway? Like I know you, I, the goal is always to get shooting and things yeah. of that nature. But are you really going to get shooters? He's a pretty one-dimensional guy. He's like DeAndre Jordan was back in his day, where you're getting a lot of rebounds, block shots, things of that nature. But he's not really. But if John Collins, if John Collins walks, right, because he's going to be a free agent, whether they decide to pay him or not, I think that's kind of they might have to choose between the two of those guys who they want to invest in the most. That's what I'm saying. So that and they don't have the money for that to to max him out. So I think Collins is going to go somewhere else because I think he wants to get the bag and he's playing his ass off right now to earn that. But. If they win the championship, I think that that that'll make the decision for a lot of players. I think Clint Capella will, will indefinitely be there next season, but I think John Collins is gone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right, next couch. Uh, next couch. <laughs> <laughs> We're jumping couches. Get your furniture the ready. First, the first little cup. You will test this bad next boy out. It comes from Donnie Couch. Next couch. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the NBA retraining its refs on how to specific fouls? I absolutely love it. it this should have been done a long time ago because we're seeing – see, players aren't smart, aren't stupid, man. These guys know how to get away with shit. We've seen James Harden and now Trey Young. They're getting away with literal murder, man, against these defenders. Because defenders in all pro sports already have it against them. You see it in all three major sports right now. It's all about get offense, 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 offense. So naturally, these defenders have no chance – 
based upon the rules and regulations they now have in place. But then when you have guys that are literally jumping into you and creating the contact and they're getting the foul not ball. A normal, yeah, not a normal shoot, shooting yeah, motion. That's absolute dog shit, man. It always has been. I've always been frustrated by it. I'm so glad they're finally doing this, and it's going to make the game a lot better because, again, you're not going to see James Harden on the fucking free throw line 28 times a game. Trey Young. Or Trey Young, yeah. You're not going to see that. You're going to see them get frustrated. They're going to have to adjust their games, and that makes, in my opinion, them a better player because they're not relying on the whistle. It doesn't feel good when like sports are progressively changing rules that aren't good. <laughs> that feels good. Yeah, uh, but no, I think that's it's only good for the sport. It's 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 you know making the sport obviously more efficient and getting rid of a bullshit that and loopholes because that's what this was. It was a loophole. James Harden exposed it and used it, and he was getting damn near 15 free throw attempts a game, which was a all time high in the NBA. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, it's obviously a, pro, a positive for for the NBA. So yeah, I mean, if it's a, if it's a net positive for the NBA, I'm I'm on board. All right, uh, Donnie Couch, where does Nate McMillan rank among the coaches in the NBA? Fuck, I, you know, it, this is a really good question because I've been one of those guys that have been praising Nate since his Portland days. Yep. I think he's been extremely undervalued and underappreciated in the NBA. I said before the playoffs even began on Darren Smith's show, The Ship, that I feel that Darren that Nate McMillan has been a top five coach in the NBA over the last couple of seasons. And I don't, I don't say that lightly because I know the quality of NBA coaches that we have, but with Popovich on his way out uh, with doc rivers, constantly losing game game sevens and, and series is when he has three wins with, with, with Ty Lue having a very successful career to this point, but I don't think we really know to the magnitude of what he is as a coach because he's always had superstars when he's coached outside of that one, I think one season with Cleveland when LeBron left. Yep. Nate McMillan has been a consistent coach. He's got a winning record in his career, even though the fact that this is – He's been on some I think bad the, teams, too. I think this is the first time in his entire coaching career he's had a superstar player. Yeah. And Trey Young is at the very emerging. Like, tip he's of emerging. becoming a superstar yeah. player. He's not even at that level yet. Yeah. He's becoming that. I think he's and arrived. Nate McMillan is, 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 is a couple wins from the finals with that, with zero All-Stars on his team. And he was the interim coach. Young let's team. put that, yeah, let's very put that young, in context. Very young, inexperienced team. Nate McMillan took over a team, and when he took over in the middle of this season, they were twice as good on wins as opposed to loss. I think they were like 27-12 and 12 when he took over, since he yeah. took over. So, And now you're seeing what they're doing. Even without Trey Young, they went and whooped the Bucks' ass in that game four. So I'm, I'm going to give him all the credit. I'm going to say right now, currently, he's a top-five head coach. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest thing about him, and I've always liked him even back to his player days. I think he was always a high IQ guy. Good, good defender, good on-ball defender, and a good uh, facilitator. He was, all, and he has a, obviously a good shooter too. Um, I, I like, I like what I like about him the most is because, and what's the most important, most the, the two of the biggest keys as being a head coach in any sport is how you treat your players, how they, how they respect you, how you address them in the locker room, and the morale that you bring. That's you know, that's one key thing, and then situational. Basketball, situational football, situational soccer, whatever sport it is. Situations, tough situations when it's a tight game, when you're trailing and you need, you know, whether switch up the rotation or put another guy in that that'll be a spark. You have to make that decision. He's been so good at them. That's what makes them so effective as a, a team because you see they, they don't have the same lineup every night. Sometimes they'll switch guys out. Even with Bogdanovic being out a, a, a couple games, they blew out the Bucks game one without Bogdanovic. And that's one of their best shooters, one of their, you know, the, one of their, their best shooters on the team all year long. Uh, so, I mean, I, I've done nothing but give him kudos since he took over. Uh, I liked him as a coach his entire, his entire career and his entire resume. I've liked him everywhere he's gone. I wanted him as a Kings fan. I wanted him as the Kings next head coach. We decided to keep Luke Walton for some reason, but anyways, yeah, man, I I love the guy. Um, if they win the championship this year, this guy is going to get the 
a massive extension, going to get super paid, and, I, and it's going to be super well-deserved. Um, I couldn't be more happy for him, and I know his players are playing their hearts out for him, and they want to go out there and get this dub. Uh, this next game and we'll see what happens but nonetheless even if they if they don't make it they've already achieved more than everyone else expected and he's taking this team further becoming an interim mid-season coach and taking them damn near to the finals is one of the most impressive things i've ever seen from an interim coach in the nba especially uh without a star-studded team and a young aspiring star in trey young who he's helped develop to playing his best basketball yet so uh yeah man i'm super stoked for him and i'm super impressed by him Next question, uh, Donnie Couch. Do you guys actually think Carson Wentz will have a good season this year? I do. I think Carson Wentz – see, like I, I'm one of those few people out here that is has not thrown dirt on Carson Wentz's career yet. He's 27. I think he's t- just about – I think he may have just turned 28. Um, but the age isn't what really concerns me. I understand he's had some injury problems. I understand he's had some locker room issues. But yeah. I think a change of scenery always does a player good most times, especially when that player has the, has the desire and intent of improving – his optics and improving his career as a whole. I think that's what's falling in place for Carson Wentz because he moves away from that horrific cloud over Philadelphia, just that woe is me mentality out there in Philadelphia. I think that was really good for him to get out of there. Go to a city where you kind of just disappear, if we're being honest, in Indianapolis. That's not a big city. It's not a huge market. It's good. It's all about football out there. It's all about sports out there. And most importantly, he's going back to the coach that he had his greatest success with in Frank Reich. Absolutely. Frank Reich was the OC, the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017 when Phil, when Carson Wentz was having a career year and was going to win MVP and was going to lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl. So having that reuniting factor in place and with that division very winnable, being in the AFC where there's a juggernaut up top and a bunch of other teams, I think this is going to be really good for Carson, man. I wouldn't be shocked if this team could potentially make a deep playoff push, man. I can't wait to get to our prediction show in a few months. But, yeah, I'm going to definitely think that I definitely am optimistic for Carson Wentz moving forward. Yeah, I've said it in the past, and I said it as early as last season. Uh, I said Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz broken. And he, 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 he was, and he is up to this point. I, I believe he is. Um, but the best, the best thing for a broken player, I believe, is to go someone, to go team up with someone. Uh, that he's comfortable with, someone that knows him in the ins and outs and his strengths and weaknesses. Because uh, I don't think Coach Doug Peterson was using the, the best strengths and and in, 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 in addressing his weaknesses. Uh, I feel like, and especially the, the strange scenario that took place when Carson Wentz was dealing with his injuries, he went down and then they won the Super Bowl without him. The mental, the mental things he went through uh, over there after you know not being the guy that got him. To over the hump there. It got him, he got him to the point, but it wasn't the guy that eventually got him over the hump. That's just a strange mental thing to deal with with the fan base alone. You know, like they couldn't really fully support him because he wasn't the guy, you know. So it was a – that's a strange scenario. So I think going back to a, a, a steady, another st- very steady yet vanilla uh, franchise that is the Colts, but they have a solid, one of the best defenses in the league still, one of the best offensive offensive lines in the league still. They have some good offensive weapons. They have one of the, the I think in my mind, this next season going to have one of the best running back duos in the league. Uh, yeah, I think they're, they're set up for him to be comfortable because they're, they're a defensive-minded, run-first offense, and they're going to only get to, to depend on him to make plays here and there if they're in a bind. And that's a team that was very good last year with an old-ass Phillip Rivers. I think Carson Wentz' talent's going to flourish. I'm expecting a big year, a possible Pro Bowl year this year from Carson Wentz. He's going to get hurt. That's a possibility, too. That can definitely happen. That's in the, that's in Injury-prone player, unfortunately. That's No, I'm not going to argue that. Uh, all right, next question comes from Ben Hall. Uh, in 2014, we sent Mike Moustakas down to AAA after a 158 betting average two months into the season. 
Three months into the 2021 season, Hunter Dozier is batting 155. Is there any reasoning why he hasn't been sent down yet with Dyson, Taylor, and Soler's uh, contract ending after this season? Or has the organization already decided to cut him after this season? I think Dozier's gone after this season. I think that's what the Royals are doing right now. I think they're just they're they're buying their time with him up at the major league level. Um, the logistics of it all and the reasons behind it, I, I can't give you specifics because I don't really know their mentality. And quite frankly, I don't really understand their mentality at this current time. I haven't really understood their mentality the moment they signed Mike Matheny, to be honest with you, because I think he's a shit manager and I think it's starting to show and it's starting to seep through. But Dozier, yeah, he's been exposed. I think he's showing his true nature and, and, and what he is as a baseball player, and it's just not good enough. It's not going to cut it. I think the rules are going to part way with him because I think you're going to start to see as this season progresses in late August, early September, when Bobby Witt is brought up, that that's going to be the focus and the focal point of what this team will be in the future. So Dozier, I think he had a lot of promise over you know, the last couple of seasons. People thought that maybe he could be a guy that helps turn that tide for them and turn that corner for them and, and get back to some sort of success. That's panned out to not be the truth, and I think that they're just they're being real with themselves, being honest with the situation. And I think that after this season, you're going to see Dozier in another uniform if he's playing at the professional level at all. Yeah, look, I just think they need to throw the entire baby out with the bathwater and just get this Royals out of town. No, <laughs> no, I, I honestly though, I, I look, man, Dozier's is not cutting it. A lot of these most of these players on this roster right now are not cutting it. Um, Solaire, you can you can go down the list and talk about all How these the guys. How the fuck did he hit 48 home runs last season? Look, but that, dude, How the that, fuck did he dude, hit we've seen that. We've seen that in baseball. It wasn't though. last season. It was the season before. It was the season before. Last season was a short season. That was the, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, the last full season yeah. that they had is, yeah, a, yeah. 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 48 home runs, dude. How in the hell? Yeah, yeah. I don't even count last but that, season. But that's season, me. That's right. baseball, though. We see a lot of flash the pan baseball guys that just do, dwindle. Just like that. 48 home no, runs. No, I know. I get that's a, that's, an, that's an extreme that's an extreme yeah, example, yeah, yeah. but I mean it is an example nonetheless. God. Because look where he's done since then. Nothing. He broke the Royals record. He, he exactly. I mean that, that's not there's not he a real, real massive Royals record here, but um, is massive. No, no, no. But I'm saying that record's great, but I'm saying we haven't had a lot of like massive heavy hitters that's, in that's Casey. That's a typical Royals record. We're yeah. gonna look back at like 20 years and be like Hey, who has the home run record? Who the fuck is Soler? Gary Soler has the record. Who's I mean, Soler? It was Balboni for the longest time, and you're like, who yeah. the fuck's Balboni? Yeah, now it's another who the fuck guy. That's what I'm saying. It's a flash in the pan. We see, but there's in every sport, there's a record that's like held by somebody. You're like, who? Yeah. Like from the 60s or something, some strange name we don't know, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. Or your Bobby Ruth in yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby ba- Ruth. Baby huh? Ruth. Uh, Baby Ruth. Fuck. <laughs> Bobby that Ruth. That Ruth deer? Yeah. <laughs> I think I did weed the before Colossus the show. The Colossus of Clout? The Colossus of Clout? I think I did weed before the show. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a harmful drug. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, look, man, like, I, I, this is, there's going to be, a, I'm expecting a lot of movement. I'm expecting a lot of new names next season. I don't know if I'm expecting any kind of uh, upgrades next season. I expect some names to be moved on, though, nonetheless. All right. Next question. Seems like we got quite a bit of Royals uh, questions. So you guys hopefully did your homework. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> Shaggy Shane is uh, our next question. The Royals haven't been over 500 since they won the World Series six years ago. And the previous 20 years before that, going back to 1995, have been painful. The small market team excuses sold. The Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays have proven that. I am so fucking pissed and... I don't know if he meant irritator or irate. Irate is a little irate. Word? Irate, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, that my first love, my hometown baseball team has accepted this downward spiral for the past 26 years. Question: How closely are you watching the Royals' new owner, and are you optimistic about him making the necessary changes quickly? One thing I do like about John Sherman is the fact he's one. One, he's a KC native, so I like the fact that there's a vested interest 
and, and, and representing your town the way he wants to. I, I do believe uh, that he wants to see something great here in Kansas City. I do believe that. And I do believe he's the type of owner that's willing to fork out the cash. The question to me, though, is and it's the bigger question. It's a fair question is, is Dayton Moore going to be the long-term answer at the GM position? Because he's been here since 2006, and we've seen him develop a team that got to back-to-back World Series, which is very difficult to do. So he changed a lot of things here in Kansas City. But now the question is, the fair question is not about John Sherman. It's about can Dayton Moore get back to his groove? Because it does look like in some instances that Dayton's kind of relying on the goodwill that he bought and earned in 2014 and 2015. Now, I have defended Dayton more many occasions and said, look, he's he's gotten adequate development at, 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 the, at the minor league levels. We're seeing some promise in some of these guys. But overall, it has been an abject failure. So I'm going to say that right now, who needs to be on the hot seat, who needs to be in the line of questioning is Dayton Moore because he's the longest tenured employee as I, as I, I, I believe he's the longest tenured. He's got to be. He's been 15 years. Yeah. Is he still the man for the job? That's the question they have to ask, and I think that's the fair question here. But as far as Sherman is considered, yeah, that man is going to spend money. He's going to try to get this team back into relevance. It's not that question. It's about who's guiding the ship. Yeah, you love a homegrown owner. That feels good. It, it's, it's, that, it feels organic, and you know he has that uh, that connection, that emotional connection to the city and these teams that, that are in the city. So I think, it's, I, think, I think the base is good. It's just we gotta, we've been a failure since, though. We've been a failure these past few years. And we the, the the main thing is we got to learn from those failures. And I do believe that there is pressure. Look, I, I'll say it, there is an uh, we can. I mean, it's two different sports, but I think Kansas City obviously is a, a Chiefs city right now because of this success we're having with the Chiefs and the the the, the future trajectory and the success that is the, the Patrick Mahomes era. Um, I think you don't. They, the Royals don't want to be the dead weight in the city. You don't want to be the team that's 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 the dead weight of the city, right? Because we've seen the Chiefs be the dead weight numerous times, and that was a terrible ride to ride. Uh, that was not fun, um, and they know that. And we and we learn from our mistakes. It took long enough, but we learn from those mistakes, and we've we've changed the stars of this franchise. Um, and I think the Royals need to follow suit, and I expect them to at least attempt, because baseball is not one of those sports. It's just easy just to turn around a franchise like that. It takes time. It takes guys. You know, there's a lot of developmental players, and I do expect some of these develop, developmental guys to, to step up and be future stars in the city. I don't think it's going to take that long for um, for the um, for us to make changes in, the, in this Royals um, team. I do think some things will be changed, but I do I think there is some pressure for them to kind of not necessarily keep up with the Chiefs, but to take advantage and kind of ride the coattails of the success train that the Chiefs are creating here in the city, and they want to be a part of that. And I think there's pressure to be a part of that. Like I said, they don't want to be the ball and chain for the city. They want to. They want to. They want to. You know, ride the success, and it's only good for the city. So I think. I think our ownership knows that. I think Dayton Moore knows that. I think Mike Matheny knows that, and these players know that. Man, they live here. You know what I mean? So they have to live, breathe the sport, and live and breathe the city. And they want the fans to be happy. I think there is pressure, and I do. I do expect positive things to come from this this Royals team. No matter how down we are in the dumps right now, I do expect them to turn around within the next season or two. All right. Uh, next question uh, comes from Caleb uh, Butler. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, there isn't a salary cap in MLB, so why don't the Royals ever spend money to bring in quality free agents? I mean, kind of like what uh, Shaggy said on the on that previous question uh, was, uh, don't give me the small market uh, BS because I'm tired of hearing it. Well, you're tired of hearing it because it's the truth. It's reality, man. Uh, that's how baseball works. Yes, there is no cap structure in baseball. But you have to understand the significance in, in TV contracts. 
Why do you think the the, the Yankees and Phillies and Red Sox and Dodgers all can spend the money they have? It's not just because they have rich owners. Every team has rich owners. It's the it's the market. It's the they're attraction. Constantly on it's the TV. Lure. Yes, yeah. the Cubs, teams like that. Why? Because they're in huge ass markets, and people watch on TV. That's still a thing. Look, great LeBron people, James couldn't even get players to go to Cleveland, man. Thirty five you know I mean? people, like, people that are thirty five. No one want to go to Cleveland. People that are thirty five and up are from that generation where you turn on TV or you go to the ballparks, and then TV deals. Go look up the difference in contracts between the Yankees and yes, is it Yesin or Nessin for the uh, Red Sox Nessin, yep. and Yesin for the uh, Yankees? And then go look at the TV deals that the Royals have. Right. You will see a significant difference. Now, I will say this: in the defense of small market teams being cheap asses, they need to spend the money that they do make because at the same time, the Royals make an adequate amount of money off their TV deals to the point to where. Fans can ask and question the integrity of where that money is being spent. That's where David Glass had problems as an owner of the Royals because he was pocketing that money and not spending it on the team and taxes. making them better. Yes, they hate the taxes. And you see other teams, they're not afraid of paying the luxury the taxes because exactly because they want to win championships. Well, so the mentality yeah. you can attack, but when we talk about drawing comparisons between markets, you can't do it because it's just not there. Well, I mean, even the recent championships in the past it wasn't like we went and bought a bunch of great players we developed these guys played some money ball type shit and we and it, and it worked out for us we could have had two rings back to back but we ended up getting that one but it wasn't like we went and bought a bunch of all-star players that's not what we wanted you know what i mean and that's not always how baseball works we've seen the great we've seen really great teams put together and they failed right that happens right we've seen we've seen great yankee teams even this past couple years a lot of talent but they failed, right? Because of either injuries or something like that, or, or the momentum went, you know, against them. However, um, yeah, it's just you know, with with us being a smaller market, we got to deal with what we got to deal with. It's where we, we don't attract the big name players as much as we like. It is what it is. But there has to be some maneuvering to involved, though, for sure. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, we just have two more questions. Uh, Billy Hodge uh, uh, says, "Hello, brothers. When do you think the Chiefs will pick up a veteran player?" Hello, Billy. It's good to hear from you, brother. Hi. Uh, I, I think it's going to be very soon. I think you're going to see the Chiefs add some depth in the cornerback position. And don't be surprised if you see a defensive end be added as well. I'll leave it there. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think there's 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 still some names out there. <clears throat> Justin Houston, I would love to see signed here. Um, so, yeah, I fully expect them to do that, um, fill in some, at least compete in a, as a roster or um, a camp body. So, yeah, def- definitely expect some moves to be so, made. So, before was a training camp, you're expecting uh, the Chiefs to add a you're gonna They're going to add a lot of training camp bodies. Yeah. Don't be surprised by that. You're going to yeah. see a lot of no names being added to the team just to help out with some depth. I would be surprised if, if Richard Sherman made it somehow on this roster, too. I, to I, compete. Could, I, could, I Like I said, I think there, there's, I there's some quarterback that. depth added. Yeah. Don't be shocked if you hear some names that are has-beens added yeah. to the equation. Give them a shot, and if they're no good, they'll cut them. Yeah. So, yes, veteran presence will be added. It'll be added in the next couple weeks. All right. Uh, n- uh, last question comes from Shaggy Shane. What is your pre- uh, what is your prediction this gets done, uh, the week training camp opens or before? And then I'm going to read to you what he's talking about. Uh, according to Harold Kuntz, uh, just now on ESPN, Jeremy Fowler reports regarding an extension for Tyron Matthew that the Chiefs have reached out to Matthew's uh, reps and said he is a priority. And it's not a slam dunk. They can get a deal done, but they would like to get a deal done. The deal, okay, I'll just leave it. I'll just say this. Um, the contract is happening. It's going to take place. I'm not going to say when. I haven't even talked to you guys about this, but 
Tyron Matthew and the Chiefs are 100% going to get this extension done. In fact, from what I have been told, the contract's already in place. It's just all about agreeing upon it and getting all the the details in place of the signing bonus, the roster you know, guarantees, and all these other things. The money's there. Contract's there. It, they're saying it's not a slam dunk because they're playing it safe in case there is a fallout and all this. So they can say, hey, we told you it wasn't a slam dunk. But it is. In fact, that's a tomahawk dunk. It's going to happen. Just stay tuned, guys. I've been impatient about this as well. I've been a little worried about it as well, but I've had some reassurances. It's going to happen. Just let it play itself out. We're two, three weeks away from training camp in itself. Just don't be shocked when we hear this the first couple days of training camp because that's probably when it's going to happen. Listen, I'm a, I'm a balance of probabilities kind of guy. I go by probabilities. I, Brett Veach has given me no reason to doubt that he's going to he's gonna keep his guys around that he handpicked. And, and especially vital role players like Tyron Matthew. I mean, being a key cog to this defense, the most important player on this defense. We could talk about Chris Jones, who he, he, who he kept here as well, found a way to work that out. Veach is wheeling and dealing, man. He's out here. He's Ric Flair woo out here. This is what this guy does. He's out here wheeling and dealing, styling and profiling. So I have no doubt in my guy, Brad Veach, to get this done. He knows how important he is here. They have a personal bond. They have a personal guy. He went and brought Tyron Matthew here, and Tyron Matthew now has a ring because of Brett Veach. You don't think they have mutual respect for each other? Get out of here. He's going to be a chief for the rest of his career. All right, that's uh, it. Great mailbag, man. That was an awesome mailbag. We appreciate all the participants each and every week, whether you're the regulars or you're new. We appreciate you being a part of this. We do it each and every week, every Monday. I drop that on the, on the group. Join in, man. Don't be afraid. Drop. Newbies, come on. Yeah, come on out, man. We, we love the discussion. We got one more order of business. What is it called, guys? Hold this out. Casey Hemp Company. Your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hempco. It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that up. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. to hold this L what we do each and every episode each and every week as we end off the show we wrap this bad boy up with some friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports but I promise you whoever is holding said L whether friendly or not friendly that motherfucker deserves it so Eddie Mr. Yo 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 who is holding the L for you this week and could it potentially by some miracle be F1 it is not F1 okay. oh no. I'm going with soccer this time Woo! let's do it I'm going to the Euros uh so uh, this uh, past, uh, I guess you could say a week, uh, earlier uh, this past weekend, we saw uh, France play Switzerland, and then we also saw the Netherlands play uh, 
Czech Republic. I mm. believe it was Czech Republic. A lot of white folks out there. <laughs> <laughs> Netherlands was upset by Czech Republic, a team that had no business winning. Uh, they went into overtime, and in that overtime, uh, they uh, somehow got a red card, and they ended up losing the match. Mm. <laughs> Damn. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and then you better check yourself. Yeah, and then hey. France, they went from winning three one to getting uh, leveled in the 89th minute to three three. So they had a two goal lead, and then uh, next thing you know, on the 89th minute, uh, Switzerland scores a, the the tying goal, and they go into overtimes, and they eventually go into penalty kicks. <laughs> And in the penalty kicks, uh, the, I guess you can say the top player in the France squad, uh, Mbappe, uh, who is uh, a world player, world-class player, uh, missed a penalty, and France got eliminated, which was crazy. But this, I was going to the, to the Netherlands because uh, the Netherlands made comments about – about Belgium and all that stuff, uh, about the uh, some other shit, some some racist stuff, pretty mm-hmm. much. And uh, the Netherlands ended up losing to a team that they had no business losing to. And when they interviewed one of, the, I, I, I want to say it's Belgium. I can't remember the player, but I want to say it's Belgium. And they asked, they interviewed the player after the the, the match, and then he said uh, they asked him about the Netherlands. And he he pretty much says like, yeah, they talk all that shit, but then it's like they lost and we're still here. <laughs> so that was fucking phenomenal. Nice. So the Netherlands, yeah, uh, they didn't qualify to the 2016 Euro. They didn't they didn't qualify to the previous World Cup, mm. and they got eliminated by uh, Czech Republic, who is a team that's nowhere near top. They're a shit. Yeah. So. Then you're going to talk shit to other countries, <laughs> and you, you can't hold your own. So for that reason, Netherlands, you're going to have to do me a favor and hold, hold this L. L. Trevor Tudor, who's holding L for you this week, my man? All right, so for those of you that do watch the uh, the NBA playoffs, um, there was a pretty entertaining the, – the Suns and Clippers series was a pretty entertaining one, uh, regardless of uh, Kawhi's appearance being you know there or not. Um, it was a fun series. It was it was a hard fought series. I was hyper hyper impressed by Ty Lue's coaching abilities, his rotations. Uh, the Suns are have been a fun team to watch all year. Chris Paul has been a joy. Um, Devin Booker has arrived as a star in this league. Um, fun fun series. Uh, it's been and towards as the games have progressed, it's gotten chippier and chippier. A lot of trash talk. A lot of trash talkers on both of these rosters. So it's been fun, right? Um, Paul George. Magically decided to be a good playoff player. Um, it's been enjoy. It's been fun to watch as well. So uh, kudos to him. But there's one trash talker uh, in particular I want to discuss here. Uh, he goes by the name of Patrick Beverly. He's kind of a new. He's kind of a, a nuisance around the league. And I and I honestly, I'll be honest. I love him for it. I think he's a, he's one of those guys that everybody kind of loves having on their team because he's kind of the Scott Pollard mentality. He's that that uh, that goon to go in there and you know rough guys up and get people's heads. Play really physical defense. Every team needs a guy like that. Only in respect if you can take it back. Unfortunately for Patrick Beverly, he can't take it. He loves to dish it out, but he can't take it. And he met his match with one of the greatest trash talkers of all time in Chris Paul. The guy knows how to get under your skin as well. And he's by far the better talent. 
and the better talent won in the game six uh, the other night. Um, and uh, I think as Chris Paul was walking walking towards the, the off the court as the game was wrapping up, and everyone knew that the the uh, the, the game was over and then the, the Suns were going to advance and Chris Paul played his ass off and sealed the game, put it away. Um, I think he was waving and saying bye-bye to the Clippers and probably more in direction towards Patrick Beverly because they've been chipping at each other the entire series. It's been fun to watch nonetheless. Uh, but as Chris Paul, you know, decided to walk towards his bench, which he was going out of the game because the game was about the near its end and they were going to, going to advance. Patrick Beverly stands there for about a second, two seconds or so, stares at Chris Paul as he's walking away, and then takes it upon himself to wait for him to take a few steps in the opposite direction with his back turn and decides to put his hands where the numbers are on the jersey and completely shove him, full extended or two-arm shove in the back and knock Chris Paul to the ground as he's walking away. There's not really many more things coward, more cowardly you can do, and not only as a man-to-man type of deal, in sports especially, I, I mean, I, I don't speak for all athletes, especially the NBA, but I know whoever was watching that as far as his peers, everyone lost respect for Patrick Beverly, especially or a lot of those guys, even on his own team, that have respect for him amongst the league, to have respect for him as who he is, as that role player he's been, is a, a pretty good shooter, really good on-ball defender, very aggressive, and a good trash talker, and gets in guys' heads and can ruin your momentum at times. He can throw you off your game at times. Every team needs that kind of guy. No need, No team needs that kind of guy. Right. So and then he decided to what makes makes matters worse is he decided to go to Twitter to, uh, quote unquote, apologize, Chris Paul. This is his uh, this is his tweet here at CP3. Emotions got the best of me last night, gang. My bad wasn't meant for you. Congrats on making the congrats on making it to the finals. Best of luck. The man literally went out there publicly and said it wasn't that individual personal shove in the back while you're walking away. wasn't meant for you. He got the wrong. So not only is this guy. He meant to get the CP four. Yeah, not yeah, not only should he be questioned. Not only should he be questioned. Yeah, not only should his pride be in, in his in his reputation as a, as a player in this league be questioned. Now, his mental state should be questioned because I don't know how you can anybody can can read that and watch that and then read that tweet and then back what he just tweeted because that was assault that he put on CP three. That that's, was legitimate that's even, But that's not even yeah. an apology. Yeah, that's like that's like salt in the wound. He's yeah. making it worse for not only himself. But He's the, not apologizing for the action. He's yeah. saying it wasn't meant to be for you. Either okay. way, I'm not going to drag this on any he longer. You all it. saw it. It, it was absolutely. I was embarrassed for him. That was such a cowardly. Ex- I mean, the world saw that man. That's on your resume forever. And you saw it process. He's going bed. to be yeah. remembered. He, he thought about it. He's going to be remembered. His career. He's going to be remembered for that now. Yes. That's because no matter what, all the good defensive plays he's made, any shot he's made in the clutch, no matter what, the trash talk, blah, 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 he's going to be remembered as the guy that pushed Chris Paul in the back, shoved him because he lost, and Chris Paul went to his, his went to the finals. He, he lost, so he couldn't take it. He, the shit talk finally got back on him for all the shit talk he talk, he's been talking this entire series. This even goes back to between him and Dame, all this history he has with all these other superstar players. He can't take it, man, and it's embarrassing as a man. You should be able to take it if you're gonna if you're gonna talk it. You better be able to walk it, bro. If you're gonna dish it out, you better be able to take it back. He obviously couldn't, so he, that's this is gonna be what he's remembered for. Unfortunately for him, so Patrick Beverly, do me a big favor, my guy, and hold, hold this, this L. L. So I got a quick W I want to give out, and then I got my L. Trust me when I say that. <laughs> uh, my my W is something we already talked about. And I don't want to go too far into it, but I. I want to give a W to Chris Paul, man, because of what he has earned now. I mean, we talked about nice. he's already cemented as one of the greatest point guards of all time. He's already a first, first battle Hall of Famer without question. But to be able to endure 
the hardship he's had in the playoffs for 15 plus years, and to finally get his opportunity at this point of his career to get to the finals, man, for the first, first, first time. Yeah, it's so difficult to do, man. I mean, LeBron's been there 10 times, so everyone just assumes that superstar players will get to many, many finals. No. A lot of times, he's you see on, great players just not get to that very often. He's been on so, great teams. Yeah, he gets an opportunity to finally do it. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I hate to say it, guys, because I know we're not supposed to root for teams on this oh, show no. as much, but I'm, root I'm rooting for the Suns, man. I really hope they, I told Darren weeks ago on, on his show in the ship, I thought the Suns are going to win the title if they beat the Lakers. I, I thought that was what they needed to get over the hump, and they did it, man. Yeah. They've they've stayed pretty healthy considering, and I think they're going to win the game, the the finals of attrition because that's what this has become. So I just wanted to throw that W out to Chris Paul because it is well deserved. And that goes without saying for sure. Okay, now we transition. Speaking of basketball, see, I I was a kid that was raised in the '90s and watched '90s basketball, and that's what introduced me into this great league that we know to be the NBA, and there were some great legends that I got to enjoy and watch. And I saw some dynasties. I saw the bulls of the nineties. I saw the Lakers of the early two thousands. I saw the Spurs. I saw the heat. I saw the warriors. And now I'm, you know, who, who knows what the next dynasty will be. But the fact is I've seen dynasties. I've seen great players put together incredible careers. We just watched the last dance and we heard Michael Jordan's interpretation, whether faulty or not. We started his interpretation of his, successes with the bull, the Bulls, his relationship with Phil Jackson, but more Scottie importantly, Pippins. his relationship with Scottie Pippen. Mm. And now we're hearing Scottie Pippen talk some shit. He's out here talking some shit. Not just saying that there's some things that are falsehoods in the storyline of The Last Dance. Heat. He's out here straight up calling Phil Jackson a racist because he drew up a play for Tony Kukoc, who, by the way, hit the shot he drew up for Tony Kukoc, so it actually was the right decision in all <laughs> regards. I'm not going to get into the details and all of it, but it doesn't end there because I'm not even just coming at Scottie Pippen. Because then we also heard some comments made by Shaquille O'Neal this week when it came to LeBron James and some of the things that LeBron James has been stating. And talking about how if I'm a guy who's making $40 million a year and we got people out here that are losing their jobs, I would just play back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. It's funny Shaq mentions that because – from, two, from 1995 to 2010, which was the vast majority of Shaquille O'Neal's career, he only played 75 games or more in a season twice. So we got some we got some lies here from this former generation of basketball players. The reason why it's so ambiguous for me to bring this up is the fact that these guys from that previous generation always hold to what? They played in a much tougher era, and they were tougher dudes. And these Purity guys today the are soft, and mm. these guys today are snowflakes. And these guys are this, and they're 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 pussy players, and all this other stuff. Yet all, all I'm hearing is bitching from the previous guys in this revisionist history. They continue to bring up these old heads are bringing up this revisionist history to somehow make themselves sound better. But see, we got the receipts, and I saw Scottie Pippen sit his ass down on that bench while Tony Kukoc hit that shot with 1.8 left to go. I saw Shaquille O'Neal miss tons of games throughout his career and move and bounce from team to team to team at the end of his career. I'm not dissing him. That's just the facts. So for him to sit here and, and try to challenge a notion that he was a part of himself is hilarious in itself. And Scottie Pippen calling the biggest hippie outside of Donnie, Don Nelson in the NBA, Phil Jackson calling him a racist when there was zero credibility or merit to those accusations simply because he didn't draw up something for you is satirical, if anything, man. So... I, 
this generation before this current generation, y'all are soft if we're going to start being honest here, man, because you're all sitting here talking about how badass and how tough you were, but yet you guys are the ones that are crying more than anybody, man. It's hilarious to me. I love you guys still. Shaq's one of my favorite dudes of all time. He's an entrepreneur. He's an all-time great legend. Scotty, same thing, but y'all need to shut your mouths, man, in some of these things because this shit ain't making sense. It holds no credibility. It holds no integrity, and for that, you get a letter tonight, and it's, a, it's, it's a, what's it called, guys? Uh, hold, hold this L. Appreciate it. I just, I just wish that there was social media back in those days. How much I mean, different shit would be? The fact that Shaq is saying that's hilarious because what was the biggest gripe between him and Kobe? He wouldn't show up to practices. He was being lazy. Always out of shape. Yeah. So, I mean, really, Shaq? Really, bro? Like His you, game never developed outside of he's you know, so, backing yeah. people up and dunking on Not him. everybody had the God-gifted abilities and the stature that he had. So he was he, dominant as fuck, but let's be yeah. honest, man. There's context to this. Shaq didn't develop anything outside of backing people up and using his weight and his athleticism. Right. He never developed a jump shot. Sure, shit didn't develop a free throw. So, let's 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 back let's pump the brakes here a little bit Shaq and just continue to be entertaining on NBA on TNT. That's what you, that's what you are, career. man. You're a hilarious dude. You're an entrepreneur, you're one a philanthropist, you're one of the greatest players ever. But let let's put some context here, bro. You were hurt a lot. You missed a man, lot of games. Social media Chill was around. Out. Twitter was around back then. Oh my god, I can imagine. And we really covered a lot of bases tonight, man. <laughs> we talked a lot of baseball. We talked freaking track. We talked Weed. basketball. We didn't – actually, I think for the first time in forever, this is the least amount of Chiefs we've talked on a show. And we yeah. talked a little bit. But trust me, guys, in the coming weeks, we got some stuff for you, man. We got some great guests lined up, man. I'm telling you guys, you better be excited. We got some good things coming up on the show, man. So for, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great quick Clay Winder that makes this what it is on the production side of things, I am Lance Twidwell. The Spoken Podcast is done. Episode 123 is officially in the books. You can't mistake it. It's going to be here forever. So go back and listen to it in 10 years when uh, uh, what's called WADA decides to get their heads out of their asses and allow marijuana to be an actual substance of use that's for the positive. We're going to go smoke some weed after the show. <laughs> but for everybody else from 123, I am Lance Twidwell. Until 124 is here, we out of this bitch. You all be safe. See you later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to Spoken. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit.